Welcome once again, wrestling fans, to another edition of Classic Wrestling Memories. This is our 13th volume overall, and it's probably the most different episode we've done to date here on Classic Wrestling Memories because, as I said on last week's show, that last week's was going to be our final show of all new content, and this show is admittedly not new content. This show is going to be a flashback to a previous podcast that Train and I were part of that is no longer uh, putting out new episodes. It's, it's, a, it's actually formally been ended, and that's the a1-wrestling.com podcast, which you can still find on iTunes and Stitcher and all that. If you want to go back and listen to old episodes, you can. They're, they're still there, but we're not planning on doing any new episodes in the near future because... The A1-Wrestling.com podcast has been replaced with the Wrestling Brethren podcast, which you can also find on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher and such. Just do a search for the Wrestling Brethren, and you should be able to find it. But getting back to classic wrestling memories, as I said, this interview is from 2013, and it's Crazy Train interviewing his friend and mentor in the wrestling business, and she was actually on episode two of Classic Wrestling Memories, Susan Tex Green. And episode two dealt more with specifically working territories in the 1970s, whereas this interview is more all-encompassing on her career about training under Joe Blanchard with Blackjack Mulligan and breaking in, traveling all over the world. There's a very interesting story about how she had to hook Mula, uh, and some would call it shoot on Mula, but the, the proper term is hook, and that'll get explained uh, during the course of the interview. And the horrific accident she had boating uh, not too long after that. So sit back, relax. We're closing out 2017 with a flashback to 2013. I want you to enjoy this two-plus-hour interview between Crazy Train and his friend and mentor, Susan Tex Green. Hello, everybody out there in the A1 Wrestling Podcast world. This is your favorite insane man, Crazy Train. We're going to do something a little different here today. For those of you that listen to the podcast, when I've been a guest on before, you've heard me talk about my allegiance to and mentoring by some of the greatest women stars in the history of our business. So today we're going to sit down and you're all going to get to have hear a little chat between me and, and a true living legend, um, one of the greatest women's wrestlers of all times, my mentor and most importantly, my friend, the former NWA Women's World Heavyweight Champion and a member of the NWA Hall of Fame, Susan Big Tex Green. How are you doing today, Susan? I'm doing good, Train. How about you? Fine. I'm doing great. Thanks for letting us come down here into your uh, training gym and sit down and talk with you a little bit. Um, for those of you out there who can't see because this is audio, we are sitting in the middle of the same ring that... I got beat up in many, many times. The same ring that I believe Susan was trained in. Is that true? That's true. Yeah, so this ring has been around a while, and I just took my first uh, bump in probably six years, and I think I'm going to feel it <laughs> tomorrow. tomorrow when I wake up. <laughs> yeah, probably will. Well, Susan, I figured we would just, we'd just start out a little bit um, with your background, your history here. Uh, a lot of the fans here I know that listen to the podcast are friends of, of the older you know, stuff in wrestling, the, the things going back to when you started, when you were a fan, the 60s and 70s, when I was a fan in the 80s. Uh, did you grow up a wrestling fan? What was, what was your childhood like out there in Texas on the on the coast, the Gulf Coast of Texas? I was actually forced into going to my first match because my mother had went with my father two weeks earlier and she couldn't 
take st- sitting in the metal chairs. Uh, <laughs> my brother went the next week with him, and, and, and he was so nervous he couldn't go to school the next morning. Uh, so my mom said, if you don't go with your daddy, you can't play some baseball. And I thought, well, okay. How old were you at this time? Five. Five years old. <laughs> so, And then they just made the mistake of announcing that girls were going to be there the next Thursday. And I said, Daddy, can we get tickets and reserve them? And luckily, we got front row tickets on that very first match. So, so where was this in Corpus itself? Yeah, Corpus Christi. Okay. And, and, and who would have been the promoter in, in that area at that uh, time? Joe Blanchard and Floyd Ampenson was actually the one that was in charge of the building. Oh, okay. okay. So, But Joe came down from San Antonio, and it was his town. Uh, okay. I started bugging Joe when... Joe Blanchard, Tully Blanchard's yes, father. Yes. Okay, uh, okay. Some of, our fans, some of our listeners might not yeah. know who Joe is, but some uh, of them will. Yeah. And and then of course when I first hit him up, I was five years old. After the match to the girls, I went and said, "I want to be one of them." And so you he, knew right away you were hooked. I was hooked. Okay. Uh, so uh, he, uh, you know, said, "You get a little age on you, and we'll we'll talk again if you still want to do it." Well, for ten years. Do, do you remember who the girls were wrestling that night in Corpus? Yes, I did. Who was it? Evelyn Stevens and Marie DeLeon. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, some names that some some of our listeners might know. I I don't know. I'm familiar with those two girls. Uh, Marie DeLeon now has a, a gym, and, and she's turned into a bodybuilder. Wow. Uh, and, and she's in her uh, mid-60s. Okay. So she must have been a young girl at this point then. Uh, she was in her 20s when I saw her. Wow. Uh, she was one of the ones that was trained by Mula. Okay. Well, that uh, was a lot of the girls back then. Yeah. Uh, Evelyn Stevens wasn't trained by Mula. And I'm not I, sure. I think I recognize that name. Uh, and then uh, I got to see Barbara Galento uh, in the process of 10 years and got to be introduced to her and meet her. Uh, Sherry Lee got to meet her. Okay. You know, uh, Who were some of the guys wrestling back then when you were going that were, you know, Joe was bringing through the territory? Bobby Shane, Tora Tanaka, local Benny Mata, uh, Mario Glento. Was Jose? Jose Re- Lothario. Jose Lothario. Um, Fritz coming down there that, at that point? He was the world champion at that time, so he was being very limited. You know, they'd bring him in. So we're talking uh, there, we're talking here, the, the NWA world champion, we're talking the. Waning days of Buddy Rogers, probably mm-hmm. the Pat O'Connor era. Well, a little, little after that, probably. Uh, but, uh, but before the Briscoes and the Funks. Oh, and, yeah. Okay, okay. Uh, you know, I saw the, the belts go from Fritz von Erich over to Gene Kaninsky. Okay, Gene's here. I forgot about Gene, yeah. Uh, we have a lot of listeners yeah. in Canada, so they'll know Gene uh, Kaninsky. Uh, then it went into the Harley race. and, and uh, Yeah, that was probably the start of Harley's first couple yeah. runs, yeah. And then, you know, of course, when um, Blair ended up beating... Uh, Harley, the first Harley. time, wasn't it? Uh, they actually wrestled in a no-name town. Yeah. No major. Well, that was kind of the way it was back then, wasn't it? Yeah. They did, when they would do the changes, they didn't want to... You know, now it's big could-do. You want to be at the, the Madison Square Gardens or the Cow Palace or Tokyo Dome. Uh, yeah. Shea Stadium. You know, the, well, I, I think Rick, Rick Flair told me once that... Um, when he did the, the switch with, um, I think it was the one with Dusty, mm-hmm. the, 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 the one with it in Kansas City, yeah. was just a bad town because Dusty wasn't over in Kansas. He wasn't over in Kansas. It was Harley's town. But he understood to protect Harley and to protect Dusty, that was kind of the reason why they did the switch there as opposed to Charlotte or Tampa or somewhere where yeah. one of them was more over. Yeah. And that was kind of the way it was back then? Yeah. Uh, and, and you had those matches like me in 77 when you get somebody mad and they can't beat you. We're, we're going to get to that in a little while. We're get that a little. So let's let's get back to where we were. So you're a young kid. You're five years old. You're 
you, you're hooked right away. Yeah. And and you're going to the matches for about ten years then probably. No, so I, you went back to Joe. At, you were what fifteen? I, I was fourteen, okay. and I said I'm old enough. And he sat there and said, "I'm going to show you that you don't want to do this." <laughs> you know, so the summer of right before I turned fifteen, I, that that May we got out of school May thirty first, and I started training on June second. And so you were out of school like a day and yeah. got in the ring. Yeah. Wow. Now I was up to be driven. I didn't have a license. Oh, I, yeah, you're, I'm, was, I'm, so, I live in Alice. So, you're, so your dad's like, okay, we're going, yeah, if you're going to so, do this, we're going to do this, huh? Yeah, I'm getting driven back and forth. <laughs> and I'm still swimming, so I go up when I do So you're, you were athletic, though, girl. You, oh, yeah. I know you were, you were involved in swimming and very heavily. Uh, and Did you not play tennis I as played, well in high school? I played tennis. I was a doubles in tennis. Well, um, you're a tall woman. You never, volleyball or basketball never really? didn't have it. You didn't have really too small school, or we did not have. Well, none of the schools around us, even over in Corpus, they didn't have the female hmm. volleyball. Well, around. you know, my mom's from North Carolina, and so that was basketball is always going to be yeah. king there. That was now, what girls my, played. My, my sister, know. when we lived with my grandmother a few years in East Texas, volleyball or not volleyball, basketball was big, and my sister played basketball for the three years that you know she was there. So, if you wanted to be an athlete and you were a female. Where you lived at that time, tennis and swimming were kind of your yeah, way that, to go. That was because you're obviously too big for gymnastics. You're too tall. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but they didn't have that either. So I mean, the two sports they had for females was strictly swimming and tennis, and I, I was a two sport jock. Okay, so you're 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 almost 15. You're summer out of high school. You're you're obviously athletic. You're swimming. Yeah. You're playing tennis. You think you're in shape, and that now Joe Blanchard gets a hold of you. And how's how's that work out for you? Uh, well, you know, we spent eight hours in this tin building, and I was 98 pounds. I was a heavyweight. <laughs> that was soaking wet with your boots yeah, on. <laughs> yeah. and, and of course, we knew I was going to be. They made arrangements that I was going to train, and there was a guy there in Corpus that made the wrestlers' boots for Johnny Valentine and and Wahoo's. John Macias. Uh, yeah. No, yeah. No, uh, John, no, I don't know what his last name was that actually made him, but this man. Uh, Macias is the guy out of out of um, San Antonio. No, this guy was. Not That's the one Wahoo Flair talked about him in his Hall of Fame induction. Wahoo told me about him too. He's the one where you traced your foot and just sent him, and he told you how long the shaft you wanted and yeah. how many eyelets. Yeah. Same same kind of deal when you had your first pair of No, you went there, and he did all this stuff. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, so, and it, well, I wasn't it, driving it was, from South Carolina to Texas. Yeah. <laughs> he he uh, measured my foot, and he sat there and said, when are you going to start? And this was like the 1st of May, and I said, I start with Joe in June 2nd. So he said, I'll have them ready. So when I got there, I I had my boots. Yeah. Wow, there you go. <laughs> yeah. uh, and so then, did were you in as shape as you thought? I mean, you were coming out of the what what, what was what was the big difference all the, of a sudden the, when you got in the ring and started getting thrown around? To tuck my head. <laughs> you didn't want to scramble those brains. <laughs> uh, I, that was I mean, first couple of times you you fall, it's like you know, well you're doing good, you're 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 a natural. But I said every once in a while you'd forget to keep your head tucked because I wasn't used to falling. I was used to hitting water. One of the uh, <laughs> one of the guys that trained with me went on to be a referee. That was what all he wanted to do, and he was really bad about the tuck in his chin. And I remember about the third or fourth time he come up and he had that cross-eyed look. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> our trainers were like, he, he, "He won't do that again. <laughs> He'll do it one or two more times. He'll remember." <laughs> well, and, and and you know, I, I Joe brought Johnny Bellingham came in and, and trained with me. Well, oh, what was that like? I mean, I've heard he horror does. stories about him being. I snug. I, I thought I was going to die. Did he give you one of those famous forearms? Uh, he gave me the hammer. Oh, wow. Did he bend you over the ropes and everything? Yeah, yeah. he did. A little 98-pound, 15-year-old girl, and he laid yeah, he, he, me, he, he did not. I started with Bob, and no one knows what who Bob is, but he's also known as Black Jack. I was getting ready to bring that up. I'm glad you brought that so up. So Bob got bowed over the 
top rope and he was on the apron and Johnny hit him with that and he looked went down to look like a big tree falling when he hit the hit so the so ball. so just so the just so the listeners are Blackjack Mulligan was was in the same training class with you yes and he must have been right out of college uh, right out of pro football Giants was it not yeah so he was he was had to have been in pretty good shape then too oh yeah and I'm sitting here and figuring he was close to 300 pounds yeah so Blackjack Mulligan Bob Windham yep was just come from the Giants, and what did you know about about running and keeping up with blackjack? <laughs> I had to run five miles in, t- in tennis and swimming each t- each day because swimming was in the morning and tennis was in the afternoon, and that's how we started those careers. But how long did you have to run this? But this? we had an hour. Oh, okay. It. So it was like, okay, I got to do this. I got a double time. And Joe was making y'all run five miles in how long? Thirty minutes. So and he's basically wanting you to do a, a four and a half minute mile. And if we didn't do it, we had to run five miles at the end of the workout. <laughs> this is after being in the yeah. ring for, okay. And we stayed at least seven hours in the ring, in this tin building with no fans. In Texas. In te- South Texas. In the summertime. <laughs> South Texas is the difference. So you're having to cut your air before you breathe it. It's yeah. so humid and hot. And, and, and so we got down there, and it was like, as long as I can keep... Bob, in my eyesight, I know I can do it. So, man, Bob did. He had to be struggling at 300 pounds, though, Uh, even though with football it's. Yeah, you know, I said, I was probably taking 10 steps to his one. (laughs) Pretty long strides there when you're that tall. uh, And and his idea was if if I take longer strides, I can cover more ground. (laughs) I I don't know if that's using more energy or not. I'm not sure which one. But but we did our five miles, and then... uh, my parents actually had to go before the governor of Texas. I was going to um, ask you about that. So, how, before you go on to that, Susan, how long you hear all these stories nowadays of these young kids, and, and you've seen it at working shows, and I've seen it. They've trained three weeks, and all of a sudden they think they're ready to take bookings. How long did Joe make you train before he said, "Kids, you're ready for your first match"? I trained seven days a week. Uh-huh. Uh, and I also was on the ring crew because this was a summer. And when the ring tore down on Thursday night, I was there to set it up and, and do Friday night spot show and Saturday night. So you're riding up and down the road as a 15-year-old with all these grizzled veteran wrestlers, tearing down the ring, setting up the ring. You're, you're helping them out. I guess you're running, getting a coat for them or, or helping with their bags or whatever. No, I'm pulling ropes and I'm pulling boards. <laughs> but you're paying your dues is what I'm saying. Yeah, I, they did. Guys, I never made me carry the bags or anything or get them anything. That was more of the guy that had they, us young guys do yeah, that. Yeah, that was... They felt sorry for me because <laughs> I'm 98 pounds and they're telling me to gain weight. And how am I supposed to gain weight when I... <laughs> they sweating it all off. <laughs> I'd get a pound and lose three. So you, you how long had you... But you were doing uh, this for how long before he said you're ready? Uh, he sat there and, and said, you know, uh, we've tried to apply for your license and your parents are going to have to take you before the governor. So at this point in time... Texas was like most states at the time. It was it, wrestling was regulated. Yes. Boxing commission like most yeah. states. Yeah. So uh, I we had to go to Austin, which was three hundred miles for me to be in front of the governor. Well, you had some really understanding parents. My parents were very understanding. <laughs> uh, and and they this is I mean me. I can just imagine most mothers. This is my baby girl. Yeah, they wanted me to do whatever I wanted to do. Well, that's and 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 and, and you know another thing you know I can sit there and tell my mother. I want a jacket, and I want it to look like this. I want a robe, and I want it to look like this. I, I don't want the robe. I want it to have a full-length velvet cape. Down and you're talking about, like, the guys wearing robes oh, and yeah. stuff. And, oh, yeah. And, 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 and what she say about that? My mother made every jacket I wanted. Oh, my goodness. You know, uh, I would see something. I thought, you were gonna, I thought you used Johnny's wife like everybody else did back then. No. Uh, 
my mother was, keep your money, I'll get the stuff. Wow. You know, so, so you did have supportive parents. Yeah, they they were very supportive. But we went before the governor, and he sat there. And now, this was, this was for the listeners, was Governor Conley, who was famous for being shot with John F. Kennedy. He survived. Of course, President Kennedy passed away, but he was still the governor of Texas yes. at this point. So in 1969, we're sitting there in front of him, and I'm 14 years old. And he says, you know, this is child labor. Because you know, you're getting paid, you're professional. Yeah, and it's like, well, no, she's going to keep every penny. She'll have her own account, and then if whatever she wants to do. So your parents are telling the governor this. Yeah. Oh, and, okay. And, and I'm 14 years old. My mouth is hanging open. I'm. <laughs> you're kind of starstruck. <laughs> yeah, he was in the car with John F. Kennedy. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know, I don't realize how important this was until after the fact. I was 14 years old. Well, besides the side note of it being Conley, this is child labor laws. This yeah, is very, a, very. You're talking a time and period in our history of our country. Yeah. These are the things that are changing. Yeah. And then uh, he granted me my license, and I got a issued to to me right there uh, because the athletic commission was. They wanted and, to hear what Mr. Conley had to say. And so he he personally signed yeah. off on it. And he signed off for me to get my license, huh. and and then I had my first match. Now, mind you, I trained from June second till August twelfth. So three months, seven hours. A day, seven days a week. So by today's standards, you literally trained about eight, nine months. And with that, um, they had me tear the ring down Thursday night and said, we're in Victoria, Texas tomorrow. And I thought, okay. And you, let me bet, you tore down and set the ring the, 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 the same show that you wrestled your first match on. Did you not? Yeah. Yeah, I did too. <laughs> so, you know, I get there and they said, uh, get dressed. And it's like, get dressed. You know, and it's like, you know, and of course, you always, they knew my mother had had mid jacket made and. And I still got that jacket. Do you? Did, I'm guessing you didn't have gear. You just wore a bathing suit. Well, that's what we wear, bathing suits. You know? That was the way it was for for years. Yeah, yeah. For the girls, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, you know, and, and and the old girls, we weren't into doing all the flashy mm. bangles and and stuff and cutouts. I mean, you just took a high high dollar bathing suit, you know, Catalina and. and well, I know that. Uh, uh, Tracy had told me, and the listeners have heard me talk about Tracy Richards before, and Bubba, my trainer, um, that, and, and well, and Lillian told me, this, Mula told me this, that yeah, that was what she taught her girls. You all always wore pantyhose, and you always wore the bathing suits, and you, and that was just, you didn't look professional if you weren't wearing that. I, I didn't wear pantyhose. Still don't wear pantyhose. Well, that's because you have a good tan. You know, <laughs> yeah, and, and I didn't have to, I, I ran, you know. So you had, you had, you had nice legs, that helped. And, 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 you know, you put... They would get a small piece of elastic and stretch it so tight around the legs that it just it balled it up. Well, I ended up putting a, a piece of elastic in my legs, and I'd have the elastic hanging out to where I didn't have to tighten the legs up until uh-huh. right before I went out because you got tight elastic around your legs. It cuts the blood off. And that's not very good. <laughs> you know, I've so, always been curious. I've never asked you this in all the years we've known each other. With you being 15 when you started, I know the child labor side, how did that affect your amateur status in the other two sports? Did it, I, mean, I mean, they're different sports, but I guess it didn't affect that at all? You still were able to, to, to swim and play tennis for your high school? Yeah. Uh, so you did not void your amateur status in those sports? You're smiling. What is that? They can't see you smile on audio. <laughs> uh, yeah, I did. Uh, I, the school did not want me to, to forfeit my amateur well, you uh, had to be. Basically. I've seen your pictures of you uh, in high school, all your medals. You had to be uh, one of the top swimmers in the state at the time. Uh, yeah. Uh, in, in the process of that, um, Texas donned me with the middle name of Tex. Right. We're going to get to that a little bit, too. So, but I remember that you told me about that when you uh, moved here to Columbia. Susan Green was not the same as Susan Tex Green. Right. 
So as an amateur swimmer in high school, I was Susan Green. So the state did this, yeah. <laughs> and we're the workers. <laughs> I've always said politicians are and, 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 and another, real life's crooked. Wrestling's real. <laughs> some of the posters I have hanging in my my gym, you'll see. And I asked, it's, I've seen some of the ones that, that Jim Crockett had in in, in uh, North Carolina for the Crockett's NWA. Uh, they have me listed as Susie. Susie. Oh my goodness! I remember. One time, Desiree Peterson, I, I talked about her listeners on when I talked about the history of, of women's wrestling. She misheard me one time call you Susan. She thought I called you Susie, and she smacked me upside the head. <laughs> That's Susan. You show respect, trained to your hell. She's always Susan to me. You just, you didn't get the wax out of your ears. <laughs> uh, family called me. She was upset at me. <laughs> and, and, and whenever she was around my family, whenever I was sick back in 2008, she heard them calling me Susie, and I said, that's a family thing. Oh, see, you had to, who, Bibi did, Desiree did this? You had to catch you. <laughs> she, she, she was looking at them like, you know, that's Susan. And that's like, that's, oh, my goodness. You know, so you kept your amateur status, and you trained for three months, and you trained. Governor Conley had signed off. So you had your first match. On my 15th birthday. On your 15th birthday. Yeah. And if you don't mind me asking, how much did you get paid for your first show? $25, and I was proud as a pe- peacock. Well, I thought that's twenty dollars more than I made on my first match. <laughs> Still got and, I, and if you y'all, if y'all could see my publicity picture at fourteen years old hanging on the wall, I've got one of them dollars in the picture frame. Okay, so you're so you're 50, on your fifteenth birthday, you had your first match, you make twenty five dollars. Did you feel you had made it at that point? No, because I was so scared I about had a heart attack. <laughs> Did you throw up in the locker room? No. Were uh, you close? Close. Uh, <laughs> I didn't have anything to drink, and I knew I'd sweated four pounds off when I was out there. And <laughs> of I, your 98 I, pounds, you were down to... <laughs> well, no, I, I was 112. I, so you I did put weight on by the time you got right I had my first match, and I said, people in the audience was calling me Green Bean. Because <laughs> you're that skinny? <laughs> I was that skinny. <laughs> uh, and, and I wrestled Marie DeLeon, one of the first girls I had saw wrestle. Same girl from 10 years earlier. Yeah. Wow. Uh, so you really had to be nervous. Oh, yeah, buddy. Uh, <laughs> I, I know because you and I have talked, and I just wanted some of the listeners to hear this too. It wasn't long after you. I mean, obviously the business as a whole has changed a lot since, you know, we're talking late 60s, early 70s. What was the women's business like at that? I went over a little bit on last week's podcast, whatever the history of wrestling. And I, they, they, they've heard me talk about how Moolah was kind of the c- controlling power at that time so you were different you were not one of moolah's girls you're no, one of joe blanchard's girls i'm joe blanchard's girl the only girl joe blanchard ever had uh he wouldn't take anybody else to train not not before not since not since okay yeah. uh and when i stepped in that ring i had no earthly idea what was going to happen they had told they well had you were too young you're 15 you were well, no i wasn't in the same dressing room we oh yeah you obviously I, they did not tell me a thing other than we want you to stay out in the ring for at least 10 minutes. And it was a 20-minute time limit. So they hadn't even smartened you up no, yet. You I, thought it was I, a shoot. Oh, yeah. And, and, and You know, Ricky Steamboat told me the same thing. <laughs> uh, you know, so I'm out there and I'm fighting. And all of a sudden, Maria hooks me and there wasn't nothing I could do except get a one, two, three. And it was like 12 minutes. We'd because, because I know Vern did, did that with his guys because I've heard Flair tell that interview. Steamboat's personally told me. He was... You know, he trained for three months. Vern puts him in the ring, and they get there, and I can't remember who it was was running the show, and he tells Steamboat, you're going to go through after 10. What? He had no idea what he was talking. He, they thought it was a shoot. <laughs> well, I, I did too for two and a half years. You know, the, 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 the time that I was with Joe Blanchard, 
uh, it, 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 every time I stepped in the ring with somebody, he sent me to fight, fight wrestle Cora Combs in, in Memphis. Now, Cora Combs, for our listeners, might remember Debbie Combs from the, yep. from the 90s was her mother. Yep, and, and she trained Debbie. Uh, but Cora was still very active in the in the. I guess this was seventy, and I went up to. Where are they? Are they from Tennessee? Yeah, actually, from I thought Nashville. so. Uh, she uh, beat the crap out of me. <laughs> that probably happened a lot your first few years in the business, and, and, didn't and, it? Yeah, you know, yeah, and then um, you know, and and you find, mind you, my brother drove me there because once again I didn't have to drive. So <laughs> I gotta ask before I forget. So you're fifty. At what point did you finally get your license able to drive yourself to shows? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm in my 20s when I'm training. I, it's not a problem for me. I'm having a hard time, you know, this computing in my brain. Uh, I, the, the next, it, it was in 1970, the summer of 70. So you went a whole year where your brother was driving, your parents were driving. My parents, you to, my sister, my brother. You're the baby, correct? Yeah. That's what I thought. Okay. So dad's driving me. Now another again, that was going to Memphis and Cora, you know, did the same thing. We we wound in the same dressing room and and, and Cora was now now, now for the listeners out there. I, you always had, you've always talked about we're going to go behind the curtain a little bit. I'll let y'all go behind the I'll take you behind the curtain for a second here. We're not a bunch of, of sleaze buckets. Even in today's world, where they're the same dressing room, we always give the ladies their separate room. That's that's just I try to be a gentleman, and most of the guys do. And I guess it's probably always been that way. Yeah. Y'all always at least had separate from the from the boys, didn't yeah. you? And if we didn't, the guys would step out for us to get dressed. So they were but, always gentlemen. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but you know, I said, you know, they had me in the dressing room all by myself. Because you're 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 you're, you're, I, I, I you're, you're Susan nothing. Big Tech Screen. You're a white meat baby face, fifteen years old, I, blonde blonde hair and, and blue eyed and and just. Well, <laughs> back there when I was still in school, I still had my dark hair. So when did you? When did ever remind you? When did you start coloring your hair? And. June of seventy one when I started working for Moolah. Really? Was it was and, it was and, it Moolah's suggestion? Yes. She said we either had blondes or blackheads and, and my So she didn't have any room for brunettes and uh, redheads or she didn't have anything but blondes or blacks. Well she's kinda got red hair. That might be why she didn't want any other redheads. Well, well not, not in the beginning beginning. Her hair was, was so dark, yeah, it was yeah. dark. So but then uh, you know, Joe sends me out to Phoenix, Arizona and Who was running Phoenix at that point? That Funks? Yeah. I think it was a function. Dory Senior probably at that yeah, point, wasn't it? Senior. Senior, because so, another thing behind the curtain, listeners, if you've been around this business a long time, Dory Jr. is not Dory Jr. He's just Junior. Yeah. Senior so, is Dory. Yeah. <laughs> That's just Dory. Yeah. So, you know, I, I we get out there, well, I'm wrestling May Young. Really? Johnny May Young. Johnny May Young. <laughs> and and you know, and she was wrestling as a calm co- Corn cob is it? Well, you know, and and when she walked. My in, goodness, she had to have been in the business twenty something years at that point. At that point, didn't she? Yeah, and I, I mean, she started early fifties. Yeah, so you know, no, or earlier than that, mid forties probably. Yeah, probably. So but, she was a grizzled vet by the time she got oh, old. Yeah, and, and and Joe's. I don't know this for a fact, but as I look back now, and I said, I bet you ten to one, Blanchard sit there and say, hurt her to where she wants to quit. So you think he's still trying to run you out, even after yeah. he, he's giving you the okay to take bookings? Yeah. yeah. And he's helping you get booked. Oh, oh he's booking me. So, yeah. so, so it wasn't long after you started. You had started to branch out into the other territories. You yeah. were getting out of Texas. Yeah, you know. You know he you're going to sending, Tennessee. You're going to Arizona. He, he's sending me to other towns. But, I mean, when I, and I know, and Cora just laughed. She won't say yes or no. And I said, I know Blanchard told you to beat me up. <laughs> mind you, I don't know nothing, and, and they actually hooked me. Do you think this was a rib, or do you think he was really trying to run you out of business? I think he he knew that I I had a scholarship 
for the University of Texas in swimming. Yeah, I, I knew that you told me that. And, and, you know, it's like... He wants you to get that college education. Why don't you go to school? Because I, I want to wrestle. You know, when I was probably 15, same age you when you started, I saw Wahoo after a show up in Greenville. And uh, I asked Chief, how do I get into this business? And he just laughed at me and said, you go to school, kid. And then walked away. And, and years later when I met Chief, after I had got into the business and we, we, we you know, developed a friendship, he told me then, he goes, I was kind of half shooting, I was kind of half ribbon. He said, but when I say that you go to school, I, he goes, I mean that. He, of course, Wahoo had gone to college and played football at Oklahoma. He understood how hard it was to make it in the business, especially back then, and, and that you needed a backup plan. You needed an education, and, and uh, that's kind of what he goes. I meant that more than actually going and getting trained. And I think that was kind of – that. even though I think there were more people – getting into the business back when you got in that didn't have college educations. That was still hit. A lot of the promoters were big about it, or a lot of trainers were big about it, were they not? Yeah. 90% of the women do not go to college. Mm-hmm. They're, they're able to, and they normally start in their 20s. Mm-hmm. And, and a lot of the promoters, whenever they realized Joe was backing me, they thought I was in my 20s and I'm 15. And he didn't realize you were still in high school. <laughs> and it's like, well, we want you back. And I said, you know, I'm in school. I got classes. Well, when I said I had got classes... They're assuming that college classes. They're thinking college because they knew that I was one of the top swimmers in the state of Texas. And, and another little bet, they had looked at me for the 72 Olympics. Oh, I, I, you told me about so, that. So, you know, in, in the process of that, you know, I wanted to wrestle. I wanted to get paid and see the world. I didn't want to have to see the world. And, and what female athlete back in my day mm-hmm. got any publicity from being in the Olympics? Yeah, I, yeah I've, I've discussed on the podcast before, and this, so this won't sound new to the listeners, and you can give me your opinions on this, kind of getting off topic here, but I'm kind of interested. Arena football and the UFC have really hurt wrestling in the sense that when you were coming up, even even all the way up to when I was coming up in the early 90s, if you couldn't make it in the NFL, if you had a martial arts back, if you had a non-money type sports background and you were an athlete and you were a tough person and you wanted to, especially for women, if you wanted to stay involved in athletics, wrestling was your only option. Yeah. But now with the rise of arena football and MMA, I think the business we're losing. Ronda Rousey's a great example. That kid, that girl's tough. Twenty years ago, there was no women's UFC. She would have been. She would have had to been a women's wrestler if she wanted to. Oh yeah. Do you agree with that, oh, or yeah. what are your thoughts oh, yeah. on that? Oh, oh yeah, you know, and, and a lot of things that fans don't know. We, we had, and I'm going to say dark matches because that's what they were considered. You know, uh, somebody would own a bar, and there'd be some woman in there saying, "Oh, she could kick some wrestler's ass," and and. Folks, it was I, a shoot, though, wasn't it? Oh yeah, it was a shoot. So you're going but, to this is like the old carnival type, like all, oh, co- yeah. co- all comers type. Oh yeah, you know whoever you know, give me any female, I don't care. You know. Yeah. I, I, but I had the brains to sit there and say, and, and Danny Hodge, you know, was very good to me, uh, and a few of the other gentlemen that knew how to shoot. You're talking real shooters yeah. and hookers. Oh here. yeah, oh yeah, you know, and they sit there, and Danny, whenever he saw me come back from Japan, and and and. 72, and I had 35 stitches in the back of my head, or, or I didn't have no hair because they shaved my head because of the they had stitches in it. <laughs> uh, and he said, What happened? And I said, Girl, hit, I mean, he hit me from behind with a bucket. And he says, That won't happen again. <laughs> so he made, took it upon himself to. So he, every time I was in Oklahoma, and I made Oklahoma territory, which meant Oklahoma, Louisiana, Mississippi. Lou Roma Girk um, was running it yeah, at this point. And, still. and I yeah. said, uh, he, he, Every chance he got, was hours on ends training with me on how to hook and how to shoot. And, and the difference is if you hook somebody, the more they wiggle. 
the morgue. Yeah. You know, and it's it, same thing with a fish. If the fish, you have to jerk it to set the hook. Mm. But if he just went up there, he could get the worm off every time he wanted to. Right. You know, so that's why you get called a hooker. A shooter, you're going out to hurt somebody. Right. You're not going to do nothing. It's just I'm going to pull the trigger and you're going to be hurt. Right. You know, so. And I, and I always laugh, um, and you probably do too, because being mentored by you old-timers and vets, I understood the difference. A lot of kids nowadays don't understand the difference, and they just they wouldn't know a, they wouldn't know a shoot hole from a, a, a wristwatch from a wrist lock. <laughs> I got a simple little hole, and it looks like I'm sitting there right beside you. Not my one of my best guys, um, Big Hoss Berman Jeffers. Uh, this for listeners is a huge kid, four hundred and fifty pounds. He's nineteen years old, and he's power lifter. He, he's just and was green as green as the grass outside when he got a hold of him. I yeah. remember that Guinness Book of World Record as a youngest, strongest teenager. This I kid is that. a legitimate yeah, yeah, freak he, of nature. Yeah, uh, and natural. There is no juice. steroids, juice, whatever. He sat there, and I, I said, you know. That he wasn't gonna have to learn to fall. I said, "Just yes, you are. I'm training you." And it was like I said, "I can make you fall." And then you know he bet me twenty dollars, and he'd just paid me twenty five hundred the day before. And I said, "All right." And he was, "Well, go ahead." And I said, "Well, in a minute." Well, I end up booting him in the gut whenever I had him backed over in a corner, and I, whenever he bent over, I shoved his head down and hooked his arm. Well, he did a little flop over, and when I went over to pick up the twenty bucks, he said, "Well, that wasn't pretty." And I said, "I didn't say nothing about pretty. I just said I could make you fall." <laughs> You know I remember the first time you hooked me in a shoot hole, and you told me uh, you were showing some of your other students, and I come down here to, I guess you throw me around, and and you even told me, "Train, I'm gonna put you in a shoot hole. You know what to do." And I was smart, and I went with it, and didn't get hurt. But if I, <laughs> if you had hooked me, yeah. But I knew better than to, than to resist. I, I kind of yeah. liked my knee bending the way it was supposed yeah. to be. Yeah. So it, 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 <laughs> and and I, I hook. Furman, big hoss, and and I'm down. I said, I'm How did you get around you. that big old ham hock he called a leg? <laughs> well, it wasn't the leg. It was only on the uh, it was on the arm. Well, his neck's as big as a well, freaking I, semi-tractor I trailer tire. <laughs> this is just all shoulders. <laughs> yeah. uh, but I, I, it's called a bent wrist. Come along, and I had him. And I said, you know, when you tell me you'll slap your mama, I'll let you go. And he's walking around the ring, and he says, I'm not going to say that. And I said, Well, I ain't let you go. And I just put a little more pressure, and I say, Say you'll slap your mama. Well, I had five or six other trainees, and they're sitting there going, and it does not look like I'm doing a thing. And, and of course, I put a little more pressure. Because you're not. <laughs> yeah, I put a little more They take a lot of pressure on it. And, and he won't say it. And then finally he sat there and said, I'll slap my grandma. Just let me go. I, I had a kid hook one time. I was helping out some guys, train guys. And this kid had that, oh, you can't, you can't bring me down. Boy, I put my foot against the back of his heel and put that heel on the bend of his knee. <laughs> he went straight down. He goes, "How'd you do that?" <laughs> if you're gonna, I've, I've yeah. heard these great stories. Yeah. Now, for our listeners out there, you know how you've you've heard the horror stories, how tough Barbarian and, and Ming are. This is a great story. Uh, you've probably heard this one. Um, Gene Anderson, Ole Anderson's tag team partner in the Minnesota Wrecking Crew, was a master of these old pressure points, like Danny Hodge and these old. And Barbarian was. How big is Barbie? 6'4", 6'5", six, six, yeah, easy, easy 300 pounds. No, easy. When he was green, Gene would grab him that one right behind your elbow, and he'd get it just tight and, and, and just take, take Barbarian straight, and he'd be sitting there on his knees. Let me go, Gene, let me go. <laughs> Tell me you're a faggot, kid. I'm a faggot, Gene, let me go. Let me go, please. <laughs> so, yeah, I learned early, early on that you don't, you don't mess with the old time. Uh, I guess Mae Young was one of the ones that... that oh, she was a hooker. She, oh, she, she'd, beat, she'd beat you to 
to death, you know. And of course, back whenever I wrestled her in the seventies, and it might have been the late sixty nine. Honey, I got in the ring with her in the nineties, and she scared me. Yeah. And she was in her eighties then. Yeah, yeah. But, but you know, she sat there and and, and said, "You got to be tough." And, and and I will sit there and say, "We weren't any Barbie dolls, you know. Right. Uh, we all look like." And, and it, it, what's a wrestler look like? You know, when people say, "Well, you, you don't know, look like a wrestler." Well, I won't talk about that later, but but but. I hate that about what Vince's product. Every it's like a cookie cutter. Every I mean, I understand they're all working out the same workout, but what really? You, you're, there's no variety. I've I've heard, and I can, we were real because I can say this. Is, I can say this is a guy fan. I've heard women say the same thing about the about the about the guy wrestlers. All the girls he's got now they have the same plastic surgery with the same fake boobs. When I was coming up, all the girls looked. Sherry looked different than you, and you looked different than Lillian, and and and, and you know, and, and everybody looked. Luna looked, had, and so it was like whatever your cup of tea was for the eye candy aspect, that was there. Now they're all the same. Yeah, and back in '69, folks, I was running so much, and I I I didn't have any breasts; they were falsies. <laughs> you know, and I said, I had well, to now Vincent costume. just have you go to surgeon, and, yeah, you know, you know. And, 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 and I had to put those in the damn bathing suit. Excuse me, in the <laughs> no, bathing suit. Uh, because if you hit me, the Catalina bathing suits had the hard bras, hard it on it, and it would cave in the, the bras. So I had to have the falsy in there to make it stay out. <laughs> well, you you just thought a little while to get back on track. You a little while you're talking about you went to Japan and got your head busted. How long was it after you had got you know you? So we're 15 now. And, how, at what point were you really out and traveling the world? How, how long were you having Joe help you get bookings before you you uh, kind of out, branched out on your own and were really getting I your own bookings? I got a poster over on my wall where Sandy Pardlow was wrestling Betty Nikolai. And they Joe took me back there, and that was in May. might have been April of 71. I was graduating the 31st of May of 71. From high school, not yeah, college. Yeah, <laughs> high school. And, and I wanted to wrestle. I wanted my living to be a wrestler, you know, that... I, so you you're 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 a pro. That, what three years at this point? Yeah, you probably have what 40, 50, 60 matches at least. Probably about forty. So you know, I mean, I was only wrestling on which on which the by today's standards, that that's like a guy says he's a three year vet. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's sad. But <laughs> yeah, so you know, I I sat there and and I went back there and of course when they told me all the horror stories of being a female wrestler on the road. Oh, I'm sure. You know, and, 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 you know, you're never home. You're always, you're living out of a suitcase. Oh, that's all right. I can live out of a suitcase. I mean, you were just bright eyed and bushy tailed and ready to see I the world, my huh? Boots. I had me four suits and I had me three jackets. I was ready to And you had go. 40 belt matches under your belt and you were ready to conquer I, the world. <laughs> I, I could do this. Well, Joe sat there and said, you know, we're going to have to call Lillian Ellison. It's like, who's that? Moolah. And I said, who's that? You know, so I just like everybody, know. so just every, like everybody else, but then you're getting steered. You're a woman. You're getting steered right here to Columbia, if, South if, Carolina. If you wanted to be now, we had uh, Mildred Burke out in Los Angeles. But she had kind of been blackballed at that point, hadn't she? Yeah. Or was she coming making her comeback at that point? She was making. She was getting blackballed situation, but then and her. But her, but her and Billy Wolf were divorced at yeah. this point. Okay. So uh, and and she was sending her girls. She had the connection for Japan. You know, and, she had the Japanese, and, connection, and she yes. had the connection for for Mexico. Now, she now she was one of those get you because you learned real fast three weeks, and you're over and and, and you'd know how to fall. You'd, <laughs> you'd know two or three. So holes. basically, if you're a girl wrestler at this point in the business, we're talking the early seventies, and you wanted to get bookings in North America, you went through Moolah. If you wanted to go overseas, you went through Mildred Burke. Yeah. Okay. So I'm I'm sitting there and then said I want to, and then uh, Moolah's girls got. 
in the books. Right. They were in the magazines. So she had the, that pipeline to the old actor magazine. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, and I'm sitting there because all the writers were up in New York. Sure, sure. That, yeah. That's the way it was always. He was uh, Gene Gord, uh, out of, he would get you in. He was out of Charlotte. He was with the Crockett's. And he, he took many a shot of me. And I said, I've actually went up there, and he ended up taking what he called black velvet pictures of me. Right. Uh, um, You're talking the kind that you would see on the old black velvet oil painting type. Yeah. They look like that. They're pose pictures. They were not yeah. action shots. Yeah. Uh, how, how important do you think it was in that era to get your pictures in the magazines with there being no internet and being no, you know, what was all territorial? How, how important was it? I was one of the most sought after. <laughs> I guess that answers that, doesn't it? <laughs> in, 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 the, in the States and in... So, but I mean, I, I know that, that obviously it was important to get your name out there with the fans. As, as a female... Did that help you with the, with the other offices too, with the other territories? Did, did I mean, were they paying attention? When they had, and I actually had a fan club back then that I kept posting. I would send pictures and. and, and You're talking the old days. Oh, they yeah. licked the stamp and put it oh, on yeah. the and yeah. sent it in. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you know they had me, and I, I was getting them pictures sent from the different, you know, uh, little Abner out of Louisiana with a photographer like Gene Gordon, and, and would give us pictures and. and of course, you knew it was from him. What was the farthest away that you got requests for pictures overseas? Uh, Japan? Japan, New Zealand. Uh, Australia? Australia, Singapore. Uh, so all over the Far East. Had you been to Europe at this point? Hadn't been to Europe at that time. You'd been to Africa, though? Yes. And you'd been to Mexico, and mm-hmm. you'd been to Japan. So we're talking... I've been behind the wall when the wall was still up. So we're talking We're talking now early 70s. You've been in business, what, maybe five years at this point? And you've already traveled all over the world. How many tours of Japan do you think you've done at that point? Four. Four already? And you got guys that make it through an entire twenty-year career and never do one tour of Japan. And you're you're already on your fourth one. And you're and, and, you're and, five years into the business. Yeah, and I, and I learned, you know, I'm not getting out of the ring. And if anybody tries to approach me with a bucket, they won't know what hit them. Because <laughs> Danny Hodgson smartened you up. <laughs> I knew. And, and and Danny wasn't didn't make any squabbles. He'd sit there and would tell everybody, you know, I, I'm teaching her. She's well, I've, I've always her. thought with Danny, you know, besides that he's just an amazing athletic, you know, just a freak. He's an anomaly for his size and everything. It's He probably related to you all a little bit because he was a smaller guy in a big man's business. Yeah. So um, I, I'm not shocked when you told me that he was the guy that would kind of teach you. And if you're going to have somebody teach you how to, how to, how to shoot and how to hook, that's about as good. He's it's as good as it came. Yeah. He's as good as it came. You know, and and I, now I'm going to laugh because everyone sits there and says I throw a drop kick like Robert Gibson. I throw a hit scissors like Robert Gibson. Well, voila, I'm the one that taught him because <laughs> him. it's just he goes to a going down the Gulf Coast and working you know, down there where yeah, he's from. You know, you go, you go, and I go in for a week. He goes in for six months. Well, who are they going to remember? The guy who did it six months worth yeah. in front of him. Yeah. Uh, but it's like he saw me, and it's like, how do you make? Throw your arms back and do that. I said, well, whenever you get up on the shoulders, you arch your back and throw your hands. You tell me the one where you jump on the shoulder yeah, in the old yeah, school? Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, and he says, I That was like one of his that. spots. He did that yeah. all the time. Oh, yeah, I like that. And I said, well, um, Bobby Shane taught me. He said, because I was so tall that, that it would look so much more phenomenal if I arched back and did that. And, and you know, I've got You're talking a, about Bobby Shane that died in the plane wreck yes, yes. Gary Hart was in? Yeah. And, mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, that was a bad night. Oh, business. that was a bad night. Gary Hart. Lucky to live through all that. Yeah. Who else was in the Austin Idol? Was he in the plane mm-hmm. with him as well? Yeah. Okay. So, so I'm guessing, and I don't know. You're gonna have to, you're gonna have to kind of help me out here. At this point, the women, the NWA World's title for women, it's just like the men's title. It's the board meets once a year and, and decides who the champion is going to be. And 
Mula's pretty much got a, 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 a iron grip on the belt at that point. Well, she does in, in one point, but there's actually four NWA belts out there. Yeah, I'd heard that there were two or three that were yeah, floating around was yeah. part of the problem. The one that was really recognized was was Mula's because she's the one. But, folks, if you go to the Hall of Fame up in New York where she's got all her stuff uh, and you look at the world belt that you saw all of us her wear for so long, in 1956 or whenever it was that she won it, her name is mounted in it. it, it it's, it's, it's actually part of the belt. It's part of the belt. So, I mean, you know, changing the picture... Wouldn't really. That's matter. right. I heard the, that was like the old the old boxing belts where they had yeah. the picture of the wrestler in it. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. right. Uh, you know, um, I think she was still carrying that belt to the ring all the way up into the eighties. Was yeah. she not? Yeah. So yeah. I think if, if you if you listeners out there have the end have the WWE Network and you go to those early the first WrestleMania, that's the belt she's talking about is the one that Mula wore to the ring that night. It, it, it traveled the world, and, and and the the NWA World Tag Team Champions that that you, Donna Christentello carried for. With Tony Rose and, 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 and Judy and Susan uh, had that, didn't they? Uh, well, uh, Vicky Williams and Joyce Grable carried them, and then uh, they dropped them down. You guys had them. You had them. who no, was your partner I, when you had I, that title? That was another. How many times were you the tag champ? Uh, we carried it six months. That was in '71, and I'm 16 years old. And they and, and, and so they and the board had to control those belts yeah. as well. Uh, we we took them in Hawaii, and we did a, a six month overseas tour. Uh, uh, Keeping them, and Mula was having a fit. So you were working a lot of tags early in your career. Uh, first two years, I did um, major when I got to Lillian. Um, did major tag teams, mm-hmm. uh, and then my style, Roy Shires, sit there and said, "I for the had, for the listeners out there, Roy Shires was the promoter in San Francisco. Cal Palace. Cal Palace was his big building. That was the territory where Pat Patterson became the legend that he is." Tagging with Ray Stevens, yeah, two of the uh, greatest in-ring talents of that era, probably the two best actually. Yeah, Rocky Johnson was one of his top men. That is the Rock's daddy. Yep. Uh, but, and that was before Vince got a hold of him and yeah. put him with Tony Atlas. Yeah. Okay. So, um, but when whenever I went out there in '72, Roy Shars was sit there and said he wanted me to be different, and I said I am different. I'm six <laughs> one. But I'm taller than the rest of the girls. <laughs> I'm I'm only 147 pounds because Mula did not. Would not allow us to be over. She wanted us 130 and under. Well, Lily, Lily, and people that don't know, Mula was not a large woman. She was what five six maybe. Yeah, she was. She was not a big woman at all. Yeah. Now and she yeah. was tougher than nails. Yeah, she was tougher than nails. She, she beat she the was, devil she, out, 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 out of hell himself, but she was not a big woman. She she uh and and she'd weighed 160 170 pounds, so it was like she could push us around because she's she like a bulldog. Yeah. And so I've always told her, but she she built. I mean, just low to the center of gravity and. But but she, but you know she wanted us to be able to be pushed around because if we tried to do something she outweighed us so she could push us around. She wanted that weight advantage. So Roy ended up. Giving so she me, was working, y'all. Yeah. Well, we got out in California and, and he saw me and he says, "I want you different." And I thought, "I am." Well, he ended up giving me a food allowance. He gave you extra money. Yeah, he wanted me to. Oh, he wanted you like so you could go with the junior heavyweights legitimately at that point. Then is what so he I'm sitting there, and then I wanted to kill him one time because when you and now Roy was using girls a lot, wasn't oh, he? Oh yeah, oh yeah. When he and we, I went over the. I told you I did a podcast where I did the history of women's wrestling for the for the podcast here. You had told me when when I was doing some research for that. He was one of the ones in the territories that was using girls on a fairly regular basis. Regular basis, and and he always brought them in <coughs> in May. Because that's when school was out and his crowds were really going to drop. Well, they didn't drop because girls were there. So he kept y'all there for the summer run. Yeah. 
So, you know, and, and, and I said, you know, I did three weeks, and then we went down to Los Angeles and did four weeks. And then and did the LaBelles use the yeah. girls a lot in, yeah. in L.A.? And, and they... Were you the Olympia? The big was the big yeah, building there. Yeah, yeah. Okay. and and they used Mildred's girls because they were right there. Because we she's we was a California yeah, girl, wasn't you know, she? Yeah, and we the other girls didn't like working the other girls. I didn't care. You know, I'll wrestle whoever they want me. You know, I mean, it didn't matter to me. So you're you're five years in the business, and you've been to Tennessee, you've been to Texas, you've been to Arizona, Arizona, you've been to California, you've been over to, over the over to the the, the the Orient, you've been down to. Mexico, yeah. been to Africa. Uh, you you really you must have had I, a pretty I, nice I, little passport and. and uh, <laughs> I can tell you, uh, I learned real fast being from Texas, and 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 I <coughs> took the Mexican championship the hard way, and I was carrying it back. And of course, they. Didn't. Well, what did you tell me about the Mexicans that 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 um, they love the girl wrestlers, but the girls down there just really aren't that good? Isn't that what you told me one yeah. time? You know, and and uh, nobody wants to show their face. And the girl, are the girls like the guys? Or the, they all the, wear masks. So it's the same as the guys. It's yeah. the, that whole the, yeah. the pageantry of their that's part of their culture. And, you know, and it's it's they do they spend a lot on their mask and their suits because their mask masks their suits. You know, and, and I'm being Mill Mascaras, everybody. He's the, the man of the masks. <laughs> you know? But uh, I ended up taking the Mexican championship, and I ended up throwing the belt up over my head when I was walking back through the crowd and hollering "Viva la Alamo." And, and so that's just one of the few times you were healing in your career. Oh, and I got stabbed. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering when this was going to get ugly. <laughs> and, and, and I get back to because when he hit me, I went to my knee and I thought, man, that hurt. Mm-hmm. Well, I go hobbling back because I thought, man, he, he it hurt. The stab you in the leg? No, he got me right in the groin. Oh! <laughs> you know? And, and I, I get, but it's right in the leg joint. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> like a little, little hawk bill folding yeah. knife or yeah, like, a, yeah. like a legit knife knife? No, a little hawk bill. So I, you know, it, and he left it deposited. I had me a pearl-handled knife. Well, the doctor, you know, sews me up, takes the knife, starts cleaning it up. I said, no, 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 no. He, it was deposited on me. I get to take it. So you want you wanted you wanted the thing that caused you this grief. Yeah, so uh, they knew I wasn't going to be able to wrestle because I, of the stitches I had. How old had. were you when this happened? This is what seventy three, seventy four. I was sixteen. Oh, so this is your second year in the business. Yeah, this was when I was still in. High oh my goodness! You went down to Mexico because you're right there on the border and yeah. got shanked. Mexico City, I got shanked. So no. And I thought, I ain't come back here. And they said, well, you shouldn't have said Viva Alamo. And, of course, people that don't know, I'm just trying to get heat. People that don't know Texas history, we, you know, the Mexicans beat us at the Alamo and killed a whole 147 of the ones there. Which have you been, ever heard um, Kevin Von Erich's story about the similar type thing in Japan with him? Uh-uh. When he had the head problem, and this was, I want to say, David had passed, and, and Mike, Mike just got out of the hospital after the, you know, the toxic, toxic shock, yeah. And his dad sent him over to Japan. And Mike had gotten a concussion. And so um, he goes over there, and he didn't want to go. And Fritz was like, you're going. And the doctors at, 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 I guess they're at SMU, or at Baylor, had told him, your son can't fly. He can't be in a pressurized. He's got, he, he could die. His dad was afraid he was going to lose the $25,000 deposit he had made to Baba over there. He says, so you're going, damn it. So, so Kevin goes. And he goes, I should have known because it's Japan. Gets over there, and they're, like, weighing him in and have a doctor. And you, you know, they never do that over there. And he's like, what the hell's going on here? And this guy comes out with, like, a gi on, and his tape is like some karateka with his fists with the pads on. And this is, you know, just the 80s. This is before UFC. And 
He's he comes out, you know, you, you know, even though they were gaijin, they they were still baby faces over there. Mm-hmm. So he comes out and he's he gets the corner and he's working. The kids are coming up. You know how they are in Japan. Mm-hmm. He's signing the autographs to kids. At ring. And these guys had this concussion thing. This guy was a shoot fighter. Kicked him in the back of the head. Oh. Kicked him so hard that when Mike came to, he's like this, hanging. His feet aren't even in the ring. And his jacket's up over his head. Mm-hmm. And his daughter said, you cannot take a blow to your head. First thing Kevin does is when he comes to, he shoots a single on the, on the guy and snaps his knee. And then they do the post-match. He goes, that's right, he Pearl Harbored me. I showed him. I mean, he cut like the same kind of thing you're talking about. Mm-hmm. They had to get him out of there before the, before the media started coming after him. And he goes, I love Japan and Japanese people, but not on that day. Yeah. Because, all right, so we've talked about now, Susan, you've been, you've been all over the world. How long had you been in the business when, you know, you've, you've held the, you said you've held the, the world tag team titles at this point. How long had you been in the business when, and who was it that you got, got the word, hey, we want to put the women's title on you. We want Mula to... Do you the favor? Well, well, that was that that was a legitimate take. Mula pissed me off. Nobody wanted to put it. Vince wanted to put it on me. And Mula. we're talking about Vince Senior. Senior. Vince Vincent yeah. J McMahon, not Vincent yeah. K McMahon. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and 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 Mula was saying no, no. And um, how long have you been? How long have you been in the business when this was going um, on? We're talking about what year is this? Seventy-five. So you've been in the business about six years. Uh, been full full time for three, four. Okay. And you were still. Except in Mexico, you were still big baby face uh, everywhere you And went. I could go back to Mexico, and as long as I said Arizona, and I could wear my boots, and I wear my hat, and they loved me to death. But if you said Texas, you were if heel. If I had my, I said Texas, and I had that jacket that had the Texas on the you back, were heel. I, I, they hated my guts. Okay, so, uh, <laughs> but you're pretty much a baby face everywhere, as I'm saying. You yeah, were, everybody really you know, likes me, and I said, uh, and then in, in South America, folks, we wrestled, and I just left California, where I got up to 212 pounds, because Mr. Showers wanted me 200 pounds. And they gave you a food allowance to make sure that. And, and <laughs> You're going out to Jaredale Square, Fisherman's yeah. Wharf, and yeah. eating good. And he, he, he had a membership <laughs> to the, the spas to where I could be working out with the weights and everything. So I, yeah, I, I, I was all right. How much of it was muscle? How much of it was just extra weight? Uh, there's a picture. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I always say, I, you, I don't know. I, I think if you if you stay physical. You'll just naturally put on about 10, 15 pounds yeah. as you age in just so, thickness. Yeah. Have you not noticed that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I've got so. this belly now, but because I stayed active most of my 30s and some of my peers didn't, I just put on just yeah. thickness. But, you know, yeah. I, 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 I constantly ran because he was wanting me to Yeah, stay. Well, I mean, you were, you were probably going, what, 30 minutes a night? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, it was very, in fact, in 74, I got a picture of me and Mula standing out in the ring when we were behind the Park, park Coliseum, uh, because there's a football right field right behind it, and it was a big show. Uh, and I know this because George South um, fell in love with me that night. He must have been a kid coming to the show at the time. He was 14 years old. Yeah. <laughs> you fans probably remember George I, South as, as a an enhancement talent for the Crockett's and Vince in the 80s. He was going on to train a lot of people, including okay. my tag team partner. You know, I, I, I'm 18 years old, so it's not like I'm, but he saw that <laughs> first match. And if you read his book, he's got a book out. He sure does. He, he, he talks about me. Oh, George, George is still in love with you. Yeah, and, and uh, but he also remembers a match because I helped Miller to an hour time limit. So you went Broadway for sixty with with sixty minutes. Uh, now, now we've already discussed how Mula was, you know, built like a bulldog, shorter and stockier, mm-hmm. but she could go. I mean, she she didn't blow up easy, did she? 
No, uh, she could she could hold it, but she also knew when to stay on you. You know, as long as she was beating you up and throwing you around, it was you that was getting blown up, and she'd be. Yeah, I've seen some up. of y'all's matches. She liked to bump y'all. Yeah, uh, she's a very aggressive heel. Yeah, and 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 also, but uh, and 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 in Mula's book, she acknowledges because I would not sign off for her for her to put me in her book <laughs> uh, because she was saying how bad I was, you know, and that I was a party girl. I did anything but party when I was with her. See, that, by the, the time I had met Lillian, I don't know if she had mellowed or U-Haul had made peace. She she did say but saying nothing but your praises at that point. Uh, you know, and, 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 and I give her respect. I wanted in the ring. She kept me in the ring. But And, and what we said, I mean, if you wanted to get the pictures in the magazines, if you wanted to be big time, you couldn't ask for a better opponent because she was it. Yeah. Well, you know, and, and I had a lot of matches with Bell Star and 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 Penny Banner and Penny was a big star back then. I, Did you ever get a chance to work Vivian? No. Well, she was a baby face too, mostly, yeah. wasn't she? Uh, and Casey probably. I did Ann Casey. Uh, uh, me and Ann Casey tagged a lot whenever. Yeah, she she's pretty back. much a baby face yeah. all the time too. Yeah. Uh, but you know, it was I once I got out there. I changed jackets. I didn't wear the same one out. I changed suits. I didn't wear the same one out. I always had the Texas flag on my left hip from the time I started. But you, you were one of those. You wanted to look clean and proper every yeah. show and different. And, and, and I, the only time I went out to the ring and I didn't have red, white, and blue on is when I, and I had red, white, and blue on if I, when, I took my, when I wore my, my Letterman jacket out from sure. high school and it, and because my colors were orange and white. As a high that's school. the only difference is you're wearing high school colors. You know, I was wearing my high school jacket, but the minute I took it off, I you could darn well bet that I had my red, white, and blue on. So, okay. So let's go back here a sec. So we're talking seven, so about six years in, about 75, and, 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 and Vince Sr. brings you and Moole in, and he wants to put the belt on you. How, how does he, how does he, what's the political, I mean, you don't have to give away a whole lot, but how does this go down? How does, how does he tell you and Moole this is what he wants? It didn't go well, down well at all. And, 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 and was he doing going into business on his own, or did he talk to the to the board at this point? He just knew that his people were not buying her not being beat. Uh, it was it was time. I was I was the hottest thing out there. Uh, there wasn't. And who was and his men's champ this time would have been Bruno in the second Bruno round. Tino. Okay. I was anybody that talked. It was my name being brought up. And you were working the same shows with Bruno then. Yeah. So you were getting big houses. Yeah. Then. Oh yeah. You know, and I'm I'm sitting. And you're there. talking. He's on top. Y'all are semi main. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you know. Uh, so it's one of those situations that that uh, she sits there and absolutely refuses. You know, mm-hmm. and 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 he says, "Well, what?" And I thought, "Yeah." Now at this point, Vince had already left the NWA, had he not? But yeah. But he still had the working agreement with with the with the, they still had the, the talent the, exchanges yeah. and stay out of my territory. Yeah. I'll stay yeah. out of your. Okay. You know, from DC up. Bangor, Maine, right to the Canadian border. He, that was, that was his. And yeah. his big towns, of course, were Boston, New York, Philly, and yep. D.C. Those were his big yep. towns. So, uh, you know, and it, and it was, he said, well, what are you? And I thought, you know, she's my boss. You know, and I never looked at Lillian, you know, uh, as anything. She was my boss. It's kind of hard. You weren't starstruck, in other words. You know, I mean, I didn't even know who she was till I got out here. <laughs> you would never, she'd never come to Texas. You, know, you would never seen you know, her as a fan. You, you, you put her, you look at my high school book or a little what we want to do i want to be the world champion 
you know, I didn't, I didn't even know, know they the world had champion a was. world champion, let alone, I knew they had a Texas. Yeah. I, didn't know there was a world. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm starstruck. So Vince comes to you too. <laughs> yeah, and, and it's like, and he's like, you, I want you to, you know, I want you to go. He told Lillian, I want you to do the favors tonight for this girl, yeah. and it didn't go over well. Yeah, and, and she said no, and I said, you know, she's my boss, Vince. You know, mm-hmm. and then uh, she made the fatal mistake in January of '77. She slapped me. Might have been seventy. So this is three years. So that night, you you hooked her and took the belt legit. And and Boston, not Boston, and, and Dallas Sportatorium. It was a sellout crowd. So he must have been working with Fritz if you if you were running down there. At that were they doing a, a exchange? Or? No, well, Vince had nothing to do with this. Okay. You know. So you were in working for Fritz at this point. Yeah, I was working for so Fritz. So we worked. So let me make sure we got, I got this, this this timeline straight. Vince has already realized that his fans aren't buying Moolah as a champ. He wants to put the belt on it. So that's the first chance they wanted you to have yeah. the belt. And Lillian says no. no. So and, fast forward now, two years later, we're in Dallas working for Fritz yeah. von Erich. I'm working for Fritz von Erich, and, and you know they, they sit there, and I it was uh, Dory Funk Jr. Okay. Wrestling Ivan Putzky. I got. Is this when Dory was the world champion? Yeah, the got, NWA world and, champion. And I was semi main. It, it was double main event. I was. And this had to be a big show if you're in the sportatorium. Oh yeah, yeah. So I and I'm working Moolah. Well, they came in and, and and they'd already found out what Moolah had said, you know. And of course, they brought in uh, Mike Mazurki, which he was a wrestler, but he was also Frankenstein in the movies. Right. If you, if those you don't know for Mike Mazurki, he's he's an interesting guy. You ought to look him up. He was probably as well known doing a stuntman work and 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 acting in Hollywood as he yeah. was, but he was a very very key cog in the California wrestling scene for, what, 40s, 50s, and yeah. 60s. So, you know, they brought him in to referee the two main events. And they brought him in special because they kind of got a feeling that this might get... It was probably going to get ugly. Well, So he yeah. was really brought in to be an enforcer. Yeah. Well, he didn't have to enforce much. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Uh, I, yeah, yeah, I went out there. I was going to do what they wanted. They you know, before you so so Fritz has come to y'all, and he's I mean, before we get going in the, the match. Fritz has come to y'all and basically said the same thing Vince has said two years earlier. You know, I want you to go over on on Lillian, and Lillian's not buying this. Lillian says no. Just flat out tells Fritz no. No, you know she don't deserve it, and it's like who else better deserves? Well, I'm thinking you know the way you've described this show to me in the past. You got Dory on top in the main. Junior, you got Junior on top. You got you and you, it's a big show. You want to send the crowd home happy because you're not worried about the return business. Why would you not have the two Texas stars win in Dallas? I mean, that's just, from from a psychology standpoint, Fritz was right. You know, but you know, I go out there and I and she wasn't going to do it, and I thought, you know, all right. You know, I mean, it it, it is what it is. You know, it's the business. It's she's my boss. You, you do what the bosses want. You don't. You don't. But he never came back to you before you go through the curtain and says hooker or anything no, like that. No, he. But I, he's still. He's still he's adamant. Still, he wants you to. He's, he's. He's sitting there saying, "I don't get it." You know. And I thought she's my boss. You know. I mean, I'm looking at it. I want to stay in the ring. She's my boss. You want to stay in the ring, and you still want the the publicity. You know, you're going to get yeah. by being in the ring with with Moolah. Uh, yeah. You know, it didn't matter. Yeah. She beats me. It's okay. You know, I, right. I put her over. It's it's okay. She made the fatal mistake of slapping me, and shoot. I don't mean she didn't call it or anything. This no. is a shoot. I'm standing there, and of course everybody sit there and said, you know, and I wear my hats tight to wear my hat. Won't yeah, you wear your off. cowboy hat pretty tight. Yeah, I didn't. It, I didn't it, it, it ain't gonna get knocked off from somebody slapping me, because uh, most time when I pull my hat off, you'll see that I got the band of my, on my head where the band of my hat hat's rested and being so tight against yep, it. Yep. Yep. So. We're standing there getting the instructions that people don't see the referee do anymore. But yes, you know. us. 
and and uh, he's saying, "Don't." Oh bite. wow, what's that? <laughs> yeah. You know, so but she reaches over and slaps the fire. I mean, her handprint was left on my face. So she came from way out in left field, and yeah, her handprint. And she was didn't on my... call this spot or no. anything. No. Did you no. not see it coming, or? I, I saw her moving her arm, but I mean, I, I, I'm standing there with my little hands on my little hips, you know, and, and I'm, I'm 212 pounds. She can't push me around. Not anymore? You're not 98 yeah. pound, yeah. you know. Yeah, I'm not 130 pound. <laughs> Whatever it was when she met you no, first time. It's like, well, I think I was 170. So, I mean, yeah, she's the vet and she's in yeah, season, yeah. but you're you're six years in the business at this point, eight years. I Danny Hodge on my side. Yeah, you've been in it up and down the road all over the world, and she uh, decided to get a little, little snug with yeah, you. She wanted to be frisky, but I just sat there, and this this frog was ready to jump. <laughs> I knew what Senior wanted me to do two years early. I knew what Vince wanted me to do that night. You know what Fritz and, wanted and, you to do? And, and I wasn't going to do it, but history was made that night. How long, did you, how long do you think it went for you to hook her and took her down? They wanted us in the ring for at least 30 minutes, and, and I hooked her at 28, and she hung on, and we had 60 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> now, now, so this goes down. Obviously, the board, they're going to listen to Fritz because he's got a lot of stroke. But Lillian's got stroke too. Oh yeah. So how does that, how how does how does this all work out when it gets back to, to St. Louis and the board that well there's been a title change that's happened that you guys didn't call. And well, it, it was quite interesting what Sam Mushnick, which was the president of the NWA. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the most powerful man in wrestling oh, at, yeah. point, at that point. Oh yeah. He sat there and they said Green beat Mula, and they said, well, she works her tomorrow night in San Antonio or Fort Worth. Have her beat her back. Just drop it back on the same tour. Well, she can't. You know, well, why can't she? Because we didn't call it. Green took it. And Mula got back on the plane and went back to South Carolina. Oh, so she packed her ball up and went home. So she, had, she was supposed to go the next night to San Antonio well, she's supposed to, to, go to, to work Worth, you again. Fort Worth. Tuesday but she night. catches a plane and hops back here to South Carolina. Yeah, we're supposed to work Fort Worth. We're supposed to work San Antonio. We're supposed to work Houston. Uh, and she has, So you're supposed to do the whole loop well, of the state. We're supposed to work Corpus. So you're doing the whole loop of the state. Yeah. Because if you've got Junior involved and you've got Fritz, you've got all the promoters in the, the different territories running shows together because it's, it's summertime, right? Yeah. So you're drawing big crowds and well, you're the local hero. It was January. It was January. It oh, January. Okay. So it's it was, right after the holidays. Yeah. You're still getting big crowds, though. So here we go. And, I, of course, I go to Fort Worth and I got the little belt. And who'd, no they have, who'd they have you wrestled that night if she'd flown back to Columbia? I just I got paid for walking out. And they announced you as the conquering yeah, local hero, and you. there you go. You know, and, and, and of course, the whole I do that they don't see it done is Indian death lock. It's a leg lock. Yeah. That Paul Jones hurts. used, made it famous. It, it hurts. It does. I can speak from personal, uh, personal experience. Yeah. And, 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 of course, she looked at Sam when I, or not Sam, she looked at Mike. and. Uh, so Mike is in the ring with y'all. He knows oh, what's yeah. going on. Oh, he's he, brought he, in. When he the, saw me hook it, it was like. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, God. Here we go. <laughs> And I said every time so how, how how did it go though? If she flew back to Columbia, I know at some point it wasn't long after this they got the belt off you. How did that go down? How did they wind up taking the belt off of you if she wasn't going to do come back and let you do the favors, or I she's ra- scared or whatever? I wrestled in a tag team in Madison Square Garden. She was there and wrestling somebody else, and I th- I'm going to say Vicky Williams or Joyce Grable. I don't know, hmm. uh, but that was two of the other girls. So you're back up where Madison Square Garden at this yeah, point? Yeah, okay. and, and and I I went. I don't know if Lily Thomas... I think Lily Thomas was my partner. Uh-huh. And we were wrestling um, Peggy Patterson and Paula Kay. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Vince came in, 
or he'd call me and said, what's it going to take for you to give Moolah her belt back? Because she had bought no, the, the no. actual belt, though, she had paid for, had she not at that point? The one that has her picture and name on it we've talked about earlier? Yeah. yeah, yeah well, yeah. Do you think that's why she thought it was hers, or do you think in her mind she really thought she was that over, or both? She thought she was that over. Oh, okay. She, she was a, quote, glory. In her book, she sits there and says she didn't want to be the tag team champions because she wanted all the glory to herself. And, I, and, and Tony Rose was her partner at the time. I, and she I will say this in, in Moolah's defense, and I'm sure you'll agree with me. If you don't, you can, you can disagree. As a heel... And that era, she was very effective. She, I mean, the people did not like her. She, she, she worked that role well. And, and I've said many times, like or dislike Moolah, she could go in the ring. She was a good worker. And, and with that, she, with her dark hair, the black hair, uh, she had that look in her eye that the people could, didn't like. She just mean. Yeah, I mean, it, she, it was an evil look when she. Well, I've discussed. Cut her before, eyes. I've discussed before when we've talked on, on the podcast that certain people. And I believe you and I are, are two of those people because we both worked almost exclusively babyface. We can't help what God gave us. We look like babyfaces. Now, I'm a character babyface and do the comedy. You were a white meat babyface. You just look. But we have that kind of face that, and I'm not trying to be egotistical, just people don't want to boo. Yeah. Then you have certain people that have to understand they look, and Lillian was one of those. Yeah. Tully Blanchard would tell you that. He looks like a. Evil. What, he looks like what he is, a little. Pissed yeah. off man. <laughs> yeah. And so he portrays that. But, you know, whenever everybody had the meeting at Sam Mushnick there in Kansas, and they said, St. Louis, and, you know, they, they, and she can't take it. You know, Green's not a baby anymore. She's, she's going to, every time she's going to, you're going to have to talk her into it because she's going to hook her if she tries. You know, if they want to, if, if there's going to take some money to make this thing happen. So what if, what if Vince finally wind up doing to convince you to drop it back to her? I didn't. So how'd that go down? They just stripped you or? No, no. <laughs> okay. I uh, uh, sat there and I told Vince, I said, I want $1,200 for the belt. Uh-huh. I want nine months of bookings out of the year. I want the West Coast run just like I always get, which meant I got the Canadian run. Yeah, because which, you like, like you said, working for Shires. You made yeah. good money there. Oh, yeah. You know, and I, that, which meant I was going over to Vern and I made good money with him in, in Minnesota, you know. So I, I, got, I still got my West Coast run. Um, and you, let's be, I'll be honest, you like California. Oh, yeah. Not just the towns. You like the the, the weather and yeah. The, the, yeah. Yeah, you know, and, and I love going to the beach. Sure, you're you're from Corpus. You're yeah. from the beach. Yeah. <laughs> so, but I sit there and and, and I said twelve hundred. I no longer have to pay her PC. I will make the other girls think I am. But when I get back, instead of straightening up for for the failure to tell them what PC means. Thirty percent of the every pay off the top. It's a booking fee. Get, when you get paid your check, if you make two hundred, well, you give Mula sixty. And she did that with everybody. Oh yeah, she did it with the guys too. Oh, yeah. I know that the, the, the fans heard me talk about Bubba Kirk, the guy Tramie. He did the same thing with them. Oh yeah, they, but they were willing to do it because they were green, and she was but, getting them TV and, with Vince. Know, and, and, and I didn't. I, and I don't. That's okay with me. I made money. You got to understand when I was working for Moolah, I was making sixty, seventy thousand. Yeah, you were happy. Yeah, we, we, we've discussed that before, and it's the thing that I find amazing that that fans and a lot of the kids in the business now don't understand. We've discussed it before on the podcast. In the territorial days, if you were on top, especially, and you were one of the top women draws, you could make between 65, 75 to the low six figures, and we're talking 70s money. If you were on top, and if you lived smart, that, that was really good money. My, my big year, uh, where I made like 82000 Now, mind you, take 30% and add to that, look how much money well, I yeah, made. Well, you're, you're making six figures. Yeah. So, you know, Moolah was getting her fair share. Well, I also am the one that got Moolah 
busted by IRS because she wouldn't be clearing the <laughs> Was that your way to get her back? <laughs> you know, and, and, and it's like my parents taught me up that I, I pay IRS, you know. Uh, that was one of the first things yeah. uh, Rob Parker told me. So, you know. Pay the tax, man, kid. Yeah, you're going to live to regret it. So, you know, I, but but Vince gave me the 1200 I handed the belt back. And how many, how, and this was including working for him still, too, to a massive square oh, garden show. Oh, yeah. Which, you know, she had, to, I still had to get new, and I, now I didn't particularly like that I went to New York in January, but. <laughs> that's not good for a South Texas girl, no, is that, it? <laughs> you know, if that's what I had to do, I still got two runs of, of New York. That, that reminds me, I got to ask you while we're on that topic. I know everybody wants to go to New York because it's the building, Madison Square Garden and the Mystique. Is it really as cool as everybody says to work the garden? No. But but you knew it wasn't going to be a good payday, though. You didn't no. know that. I made $200 for Madison Square Garden. And really? And second girls match ever. I knew you were the second. This is right after the ever. Athletic Commission in New York had allowed yeah. women ever. again. This is what, early 70s? Yep. $200. So why didn't I like Minnesota? I was making 12 and 13 for his. So business. Vern was paying you better than uh, Vince was. Madison Square Garden. I mean, Cow Palace, I'm making 2500 for the Cow Palace. He wow. paid me. They gave us that, and he said, this will be in advance. And I thought, this for the week? <laughs> well, Tony and Donna didn't know, and Sandy said, I don't know. You ever heard Bill Watt's story of how he got into the business? No. He knew Wahoo, obviously, because of the Oklahoma connection, being both football players. Wahoo had come home. You know, I think he was playing for the Jets or the Dolphins at the time, and he was hanging out with some of the guys there on campus and asked Bill. Now, Bill's a senior. He's getting ready to graduate. Asked him if he could take him by the bank so he'd cash his check. And this is back when Wahoo's wrestling in the offseason and playing the NFL during football, football season. And it was like $1,500. And he goes, oh, is that your check for the week? And he goes, that was my pay bill for last night. Because he'd worked Tulsa for Leroy McGurk the night before. And he goes, I told you, bub, you need to get into this business. Yeah. <laughs> if this football thing don't work out, Bill. And Bill said, like a light bulb went off in his head. If this football thing don't work out. <laughs> yeah. so, so, you know, Madison Square, and I tried to tell Rhonda Singh that the that, that, Madison Square Garden and whatnot. Like, but yeah, you looked up and you saw five balconies up, or it was so high up you couldn't see the people. But like you said, with 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 far as the the, the magazines went, yeah. that was the place yeah, to go. That was the place to go because you had every magazine. That was a magazine. Newspapers. You had more flashes. The flash bulbs were so damn bright that you didn't realize you had a spotlight. And over I got to imagine if you're working in the semi with Bruno on top, it had to be packed to the rafters. Oh yeah, you know because I mean, Bruno it, was just Madison such Square, a draw. It, it was always a sellout. Didn't matter who was on top. It didn't matter. It's always a sellout because he has somebody there that somebody wants to see, and they're going to bring somebody, and the tickets were affordable. And the, the thing I've, I've brought up, we're kind of getting off topic here, but something I've always brought up, Vince Sr., and you kind of see it in today's, he was never able to, to develop stars. Because of because he had Madison Square Garden, he could go handpick the best of the best from all the territories, and they were willing to do it. Yeah. And they were willing to, they were willing to leave because the boys wanted the money, the payoff. They were, knew they were going to get and Vince could give whoever he stole them from Andre for a week. Yeah. So everybody made money. Yeah. And, you know, and now I do know that the payoffs in Madison Square Garden, once Moolah lost her tight fist, um, because after the Glamour Girl run. So we're uh, talking mid-80s. Yeah. Uh, they started making 3500 So the girl started, he started coming off. You know. The uh, son's paying him a little better at well, this point. Well, no, it's come to find out that's what we were making, but that's not what Moolah was paying us. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, she made you have a good week. Well, two hundred dollars was a good payoff. They flew me up there. They picked up the motel. True. Made two hundred bucks. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. So you know, and and um, but but with Moolah, I mean, I no longer had to pay her the percentage. You know, mm-hmm. the booking fee. 
I still got the overseas shots that I wanted. I still, you know, I stayed. And, and I, I worked, So you're still going to Japan at oh, this I, point? I'm, I'm going Russia, New Zealand, Australia. You know, I'm still making my book. Holland, Germany, yeah, England. I, I'm, I'm, I'm still. So how long did you actually tour with the Bell as the women's champion before you, Vince made this deal with you and you just said, okay. She didn't book me. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so she wasn't getting you up there, and that was. That's what I, you know, when he offered, and I, okay. I, I, I was, I knew I was booked for this tag team. Uh huh. And and Mula, of course, she's coming back with the belt because I, somehow there was going to be a deal made. And he, <laughs> yeah. this is before Vincent Prophet offered you. you know, the deal. I'm in the dressing room, and he, we, he takes me up to the office there at Madison Square, and he sits there and says, "We need to get the belt back. What's it going to take?" And I said, "What makes you think I got it?" Did you not bring the belt with you? Oh, yes, I did. It was in your bag. Oh. Yeah. My bag also had a lot. <laughs> my, my bag was also a Samsonite that was hard Hard, hard to get open anyway. It was hard shell, and you had to have that key, and if you busted it, I was going to know. <laughs> yeah, you know, real quick. You know, I was going to know real quick somebody was after what I had in it. Yeah. Yeah. I remember the, one of the first things I was told by an old-timer in a locker room. He saw I had some money, a uh, money clip. He said, I ain't going to the ring with you, kid. I'm like, where am I going to put it? In your boot. And I'm like, but we're a fraternity. Yeah, but we're, wor- we're workers, too. <laughs> there's going to be somebody to the, that needs this, money worse to than the, you. To the, the, the last match I had, whatever cash I had, went in this left shoe with me out to the yeah. ring. <laughs> well, you know, and, and, but, you know, I, 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 I wasn't hard to get along with. You know, I mean. No. And, 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 and I, I, I can I, say I this do... from a personal standpoint. Knowing you, knowing Mula, both of y'all mentoring me, you have a much easier personality to get along with yeah. than Lillian did. And that's, I mean, God rest her soul. I'm yeah. not trying to speak ill of the dead. I'm just, I think most people that knew Mo would say the same yeah. thing. You know, and, and it's one of those things, she did what I wanted her to do and put me in the ring. And I agreed to the 30%, so I have no argument with her. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, and folks, the reason I wanted three months off is I went home to Texas. Sure. You know, I wanted to be there for my parents' anniversary, and I wanted to be there for the holidays. So, you know, I was okay. there. Make, I was Well, their anniversary was September the 30th, so I was ho- always home a couple of weeks prior or a couple of weeks after, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was there for that date, and then I'd go back for the holidays, you know, beginning mm-hmm. in Thanksgiving and stay through New Year's. So that was the three months that I'd have off. Right. Uh, now so you had worked out a nice little deal for yourself. Yeah, and I booked myself, and she didn't get none of that money when I was in Texas. Right. And then they would fly in, you know, uh, Betty Nikolai, uh, Barbara Glinto. Well, you know, different girls will work you. You know, and, and you know, they said, how much you want to work? And I said, well, as long as I can come leave Alice and, and make the show. And folks, I'm saying Alice with the A, not Dallas. Alice, um, Alice, Alice, Texas. Yeah, it's down by Corpus Christi. That is where Stone Cold Steve Austin actually builds himself from. But he's not from, he's actually from Edna, isn't he? Yeah. Which is what, about 30 miles down the road? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Down South Texas. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, whenever we say something, when we say South Texas, it's a whole different area. The, the whole state of Texas is a different yeah, world. I mean, <laughs> we, Having lived there for a year, yeah, y'all, yeah. Are, y'all are a different breed out yeah. there. You know, North Texas, you think you're up in New York because it's so cold. <laughs> uh, they get the snow every year. South yeah. Texas, we don't know. We, we just pray for the rain. We, li- we, li- we lived up the Panhandle in Pampa, out right outside Amarillo, mm-hmm. right there, you know, the end of Tornado Alley. Yeah. You know, being born in Charleston and lived, you know, half my life in South Carolina, at least you know when a hurricane's coming. Yeah. You don't know when a tornado's coming. Yeah. <laughs> it, just, it just hits. You hear the siren and it's going, oh, Jesus. Get, get in the bomb shelter. Get in the tornado shelter. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so you've got the world title now, and, and you've got worked yourself out a nice deal with, with you know. I know that, that you almost 
we almost lost you there a few years later. What, uh, you had a, a very serious boating accident I wanted you to talk about. When, when did that happen, and where were you at your career? And kind of describe that for the fans a little I bit. Was, what I, <laughs> I was at the highlight of my career. So we're talking July what? of 1979, and I'm going to sit there and say the 20th. Of 1979, mm-hmm. uh, I was at. I was going to be moving back to Texas. I told Lillian I, I could do more for myself now. I'd been in the ring for ten years. Uh, You'd proven but, you could take care of yourself. Yeah, you had the I, title. I, I. They knew that I could do what I had to do. I could walk and I could talk. You know, so mm-hmm. I didn't. I could. And you could back and it I up. didn't depend on anybody. I was able to do what I had to do. So you're dealing with not just. Terry, you're also dealing with, with Baba in Japan. You're dealing with over in Europe. You're getting your own bookings. The, the world's your oyster at this point. Yeah. Uh, so I was moving back to Texas, so I'd be centrally located. Mm-hmm. Uh, that way I, I didn't have to run from the East Coast all the way to the West Coast. Because now, mind you, we didn't fly. Unless right. we went across the ocean, mm-hmm. we drove. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it didn't matter if I was in Tampa, Florida, and they wanted me up in Seattle, Washington, get there. You know, so... Uh, in the process of, of getting there, it was done by four wheels, you know, and, 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 and I always made it. I, you know, my first year that I worked for Ellison, Girl Wrestling Enterprise, Moolah, <laughs> uh, <laughs> my car was nine months old, and I bought my parents and gave it to me for graduation. Um, I pulled out of that showroom with five miles. Yeah, and by the time you months, drove it to the wheels fell off. <laughs> nine months later, I was telling my parents, I need a bigger car. You know, I'm carrying four girls, and but I love my Torino Sports Grand Torino. <laughs> oh, the big muscle car! Um, I love <laughs> that car, but I, you know, it, and, and I had four doors, but it, trunk wasn't big enough. One of the other things I was that that that, that Robert uh, Fuller told me uh, when I started, besides the you know about 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 the uh, money thing, it, it, he said, "Can't get you a big car because you know all the Welches and Fullers were big guys." And he goes, you know, you're gonna have, you're gonna pack four big guys, and you're gonna be riding up and down the road. That was some. Yeah. He goes, get you get you a Lincoln. You know how all those guys in Tennessee okay. all had the Lincoln Continentals yeah. or the Caddies. Yeah. But when you get four people, big people in a car, and you're you learn real quick, having some leg room is nice. Yeah. So I ended up getting. Um, um, so yeah. we're we're talking summer of '79, and yeah, yeah July of '79, I I was in a boat and. The, girls that I played softball with. Um, were you in Texas or here uh, in Columbia? Here in, here in Columbia, Lake Murray, heaven forbid. I don't get in boats anymore either. Uh, was this enough to scare you off? I was told to never wrestle again. I was <laughs> Excuse me, so what exactly happens? You're in a boat and you're out in the lake. I, well, I'd, I'd skied and, and, and a girl by the name of Dina was driving and, and um, Bruce wanted to ski. He'd been on the shore and you know, he said, just one round. And, and, and Dina said, would you please stay in? And watch him walk. So one of the people with you wanted to ski, and another girl just asked to stay in the boat with her. Yeah, so, I, you know. so And I had started to jump out because they motioned that the food was ready, but Bruce wanted to make one round, and I thought, all right. So my back is to the front of the boat because I'm looking out over the engine mm-hmm. at the skier. So you're sitting on the edge of the boat. I'm not on the edge. I'm on the seat. Oh, it's actually like in the captain's chair. Well, it, no, it's just the seat. Oh, me. okay, I got you, got you. Anyway, Dina was standing up, the, dri- the woman that was driving the boat, and... Uh, the last thing I remember saying is he's up, slow down, because he got up and he started pointing his thumb down, which being a skier, I know that that means slow down. Slow down, yeah. And I'm he, guessing growing up where you grew up, you've been water skiing your whole life. Oh, yeah. You know, so I sit there, and, and that was the last thing I remember. Uh, the next thing I remember, I woke up in a hospital. And what and exactly were you parents, told it happened? Uh, that we hit, a pier, we hit a dock, and the people that were on the dock 
thank God the boat went on shore because if it would have went out back in the water, I would have drowned it. Because you've been unconscious. I was knocked out. I didn't come to for... So did you go under the, the pier or did yeah. you hit the side of it or... We, we went right through it. <laughs> or we, I actually... We, we, and what part of your of, body took the brunt of the... Of the, of the my of head. The back or the side? Or? The back of my head. My, I had 13 skull fractures. Um, my neck was broke and my back was broke. And how many places? Uh, neck was broke right where it joins, starts at the top. So you're lucky you were paralyzed. I was paralyzed. I mean, permanently. Yeah. Um, my back was broke between my shoulder blades because where the two-by-six caught me in the back of the head and threw me into the floor of the bottom of the pier, uh, the people that were sitting on it, they scattered. Sure. And, and, and you know, um, but there was nothing left of the boat from the seat that I was sitting in to the back where the engine hooked. Just could, like, just completely it, gone. It, it exploded. Wow. It was gone. So Anybody else injured in the... In the not in a soul. You're the only one that got hurt. Whenever we hit, because we hit, uh, and the people watching sit there and said the girl that was driving was watching the skier also. And not paying attention to where she was driving yeah. the boat. And and mm. we went, hit the, hit the dock, her pier, and, and, and shot up under it. Uh, she Whenever we hit it, threw her over the seat. And you said this was July 20th? Yeah, of 79. And, and you wake up in a hospital how many days later? August so you're out for almost three weeks. You're in, I'm assuming, intensive care, yeah. breathing machine, the whole... They didn't put me on a breathing machine. Uh, I was doing breathing okay. Uh, but the uh, neurosurgeon came in and said, and whenever you came in and said, you want to go home? And it's like, well, yeah, who likes the hospital? And said, you know, get used to a... Had they called your family back in Texas? They'd come yeah, out My here? mother and father were here. Uh, they flew out the the evening of the accident. Uh, uh, uh the hospital did not expect me to make it. They didn't even sew me up until they realized my parents were en route. Uh, a friend had went to the airport to pick them up, and they said, well, I guess we need to sew her up. You know, so mm. they sewed, I was split from ear to ear. So so you, you're laid up, and, and they're telling you you might never walk again. You're you're not even 30 yet. You're still in your late 20s. You, the world's your oyster. You, everything's going right in the wrestling world, and, and, and you're an athletic person, have been your whole life. What are you thinking at this point? I mean, honestly. I'm not going to stand this well. So you just decided right then, basically to heck with this. I'm gonna, I'm gonna fight I'm this. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go back in that ring. And I said, you know, you can't tell me what I can do. And, and how long a process are we talking before you even could walk again? Uh, about six months. I was in uh, physical therapy at Spawn Hospital there in Corpus Christi. So they, flew, so your parents took you back to Texas. They, they flew me, airlifted me back to Texas because. So you could be with your family. I could be with family, and and I. Well, you probably needed that kind of, like, round-the-clock care, too. And that they could put me back, and, and they trusted the neurosurgeons in Corpus. They knew, they knew, the, they knew the doctors. Yeah, the, the doctors knew me. No problem. No, nothing against Columbia. They're probably, it's a little big, bigger, probably better hospital, yeah. too. Uh, yeah. So got there, and, and, and I had a little oriental uh, therapist that was working with me. And I also had uh, a girl that was from South Carolina and had been offered a job at at Richland Memorial, and she sat there and said, if they left you in this shape and told you to get used to a wheelchair, I'm not sure I want to go home. She didn't want to come back here you know, and work I mean, for them because you, know, you were proving it, all the... I'm, I'm <laughs> sitting there saying, you know, they started seeing my leg flinch, and, you know, it, it was like something's going on. And this Oriental therapist that was working with me, she sat there and said, do you feel that? And I said, oh, you know, I don't feel nothing. And, and she felt something on my spine. Really? You know, and, and, and I thought, you know, then uh, you can imagine this boat's fiberglass, so you can imagine yeah. you know, it explodes. So you can imagine. Yeah. 
What? Pretty what happened to your spinal cord? Yeah. Uh, so. How long were you under the? How long were you in surgery when they when they did the initial surgery? How many? How many? Probably what? Ten, twelve hours? They didn't do any. You never went under the knife. Nope. That was later on. Yeah, later on. We'll, we'll get to that. I, I thought that you had surgery on the neck too. Yeah, neck and back. They, they after they realized my parents were coming and that I was a somebody. Right. Uh, that that. You know that we had the. Did insurance. they have you in the old rotisserie bed? So you feel like a chicken yeah. on a spit? Yeah. Oh lord. Yeah, and then yeah. of course when I got in corpus. They have you a body cast? Nothing. Just they, mobilized your neck, and that was it. Yeah, I mean, and, and, and then it was like, and I, they sit there, and, and Jenny had actually, my friend had sit there and said that uh, whenever I was laid out on the gurney, they'd cut my clothes off, and uh, <laughs> and I was so mad because they just gave me this t-shirt. <laughs> One of the organizations I'd wrestled for, and I was their champion, and it had it was my champion. So you're lucky to be alive, and you're and you're only you're mad about is they cut this new T-shirt off of you. Yeah. I asked where my T-shirt was, but let's let me explain to you, fans. Is, is a re- it's sometimes it's hard to get these promoters to give you anything. If they give you a T-shirt, by God, you don't want nobody cutting it off of you. Uh, and, and, and this, you know, they they had made this T-shirt for me. You know, so th- right. that that was even worse because mm. they cut it off. <laughs> yeah. and, That's and, funny. And, and, and but. The, the, the Richmond Memorial Hospital here in Columbia, I did nothing with my neck and back, and they, they sewed me up just prior to my parents. And me. then you're off to Texas you know, to and, rehab. And, and, and whenever I came to, the neurosurgeon. But once again, I'm laying on this gurney before my parents got there, and, and, and he said, is she responding? And they said, no. And he said, well, you know, have y'all pinched her? Hey, did you Do you remember this conversation? No, no, okay, this I, was told I, to you after the uh, fact. Yeah. Okay. And, and, you know, Jenny ended up, my friend told me this because... She knows that you may pinch me on the inside of my leg and get by with it, but you do not pinch my breast. And they pinched her booby to get see and if you were. And this neurosurgeon, the head neurosurgeon, went to pinch, and she said, "I wouldn't touch her there. I'd go between the legs. I wouldn't." T- I'm you, I would, I, if, that's, if you got two choices, you better take the other one. Take choice A, not B. Well, he didn't listen to her, and of course, my arms were dangling off this gurney. And, and, and but not and, for long. Yeah, and, and I don't remember nothing. I'm I'm out. Did you take a swing at him, Susan? No. <laughs> she said whenever, whenever he pinched me, that my fist came up and caught him right under his chin. And, he and the moral of the story, folks, is is, is is don't ever touch a woman in her breast. If she doesn't, say okay, because yeah. you might eat a fist. Yeah. But they said I laid him out with one one punch. Said, you know, if, if, if he would have been a little, oh lord, now you're gonna get sued by the doctor. You know, so, but you know, and instead of when my arm dropped, it, it, it was it dropped. Just, just like, it was like like a knee jerk reaction. Yeah, yeah, it was just strictly reflex. Wow. You know, and and so uh, you got back to Texas and you're rehabbing. Yeah, in this Oriental, six months till you walked. Yeah, and the Oriana girl, whenever she sat there and felt something, they brought in the neurosurgeon that was working with me, and. uh he said, I said, well, I don't feel nothing. I guess I can take whatever you want to do, you know? Wow. They pulled a six-inch piece of fiberglass out from my spine. That was stuck in there. And I guess that was also putting pressure on there, too. Yeah. A six-inch piece out of the, towards, towards your neck or more in the middle of your back? In the middle of my back. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. I, I, had to I, don't, I don't remember you telling me that part of the story. You know, I had to use my arms, you know, so my neck and back was broken. I remember, I remember you had said they had... I, why is that? I don't remember that. Yeah. Wow. So, you know, and that's whenever I started being able to, to walk. And, 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 of course, I was between the parallel bars and corpuses. Their, their physical therapy is fabulous because I, I haven't seen anybody else that 
has this done to this day where I took physical therapy. I haven't seen this. Mm-hmm. But they have a strap they put around your waist that has mm-hmm. ropes that go up. So if you start to fall... It catches you. It catches, you know. Well, being the wrestler I am and the jokester I am, and, and we're going to have fun at whatever I do. Uh, and when I started falling, I just tucked... And I was like a little ball spinning around on it. <laughs> like a little hamster and a little ball. Yeah. <laughs> and then now the therapists are sitting there because I, I still got this neck brace on. So what, what do you think mentally? Because, I mean, you, you, we've already gone over the fact you're athletic. You've been in the ring 10 years. But at this point, you've never had any kind of serious injury that's ever put you on the shelf for, for any kind of, of significant. Just your normal bumps and aches and pains. When I blew my knee out from a motorcycle wreck, uh, I, I hobbled to the ring because... Right. If you didn't wrestle, you didn't get paid. You didn't get paid. Yeah, yeah. I was working for. So you're, you're, so yeah. here you're. I'm just trying. I'm just trying to put myself in your place. Everything that you've ever dreamed of has happened. You're the world champion. You're getting paid as you've gone over good money. You're, you're, you're young. You're good looking. You're everything could. The My world's world yours. Comes to a stop. Stop. And, and you're, and you're the person who's been physical their whole life, and you're told you're never going to walk again. So besides all the physical, how's this messing with your psyche at this point? Uh, they're not going to tell me what I'm going to do. I'm going to wrestle. So you just, I, that was I, always I, it. That I, was, I'm, I'm going to wrestle. I'm going to I, I know you, Susan, so it's not hard for me to, uh, to, to believe that, but. Uh, I, and, and, and everything I did, you know, and I, I actually had a. And that was always your goal was to get back in the ring. I'm getting back in the ring. I was running a paint and body shop. I, I was co-owners of a paint and body shop whenever I moved back out to Texas from this accident. So you had, so you did have money coming in. I did have income. You had money coming in. Uh, so, and, and, and I said, here I am dragging myself because I wasn't walking well enough to to walk mm-hmm. uh, and and I wore the rear end out of a whole lot of blue jeans just uh, sitting down <laughs> you know because I, I I would do the lower work on the cars and and if a bumper had to be pulled to put on you know I was you know my my upper body was you used still- I, I for those old fans out there that don't know Susan like I do this is not a woman that can can stand still for longer than five mm-hmm. seconds I have no problem believing yeah, this so, you know, you're I, always I, doing something you know and and, and I Never, I ended up running the paint and body shop for almost twenty years, and and, and shut it down in eighty seven. I mean, every time, every time I call you, you answer the phone. You sound like you're out of breath. Like, what are you? I'm just staying busy, train. I'm just staying busy. <laughs> so you've always been that way. Yeah, yeah, just, you, know, you know, if I don't have anybody I'm training, this is my my weights are behind the wall. So how 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 long before you actually got back uh, in the ring? You're you're six months and you're just walking. I'm sure yeah. you're still a good ways away from the ring. Uh. August of 82. So three years almost yeah. before you made it back to the ring. A lot of hard and, and, work, I'm and, sure. Uh, Joe was sitting there saying, they're saying you shouldn't. And I said... Joe Blanchard again? Yeah. <laughs> and I said, Joe, just give me a shot. If I don't so think jo- I can So do the it, guy who broke you in the business is the same guy that gave you your first chance once you once I, once got, I, got back from the injury. Once, And he says, your doctors are saying you shouldn't. And I sit there and said, what do doctors know? So, so this is 82... And you're working for Joe Blanchard. Again. I, I'm guessing at this point, Tully's probably wrestling for his dad yeah. at this point. There's, you don't know, but there's, this, there's a running gag on the podcast that everything wrong with the world, whether it be in the wrestling world or in your life, you can blame one person. That son of a bitch, Tully Blanchard. <laughs> it's one, of, one of the guy, one, the producer does a very funny <laughs> Dusty impression, and he, he cut a promo one time on Tully as Dusty. And, and as I've told them, and you can verify for me, yeah. If you knew Tully, he would say thank you. <laughs> yeah. and, well, you know, and, 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 and I'll have to say, Joe did not let 
till he started wrestling until he got a degree under. Yeah. You know, he's refereeing. West Texas, West Texas boy. Yeah, yeah. Was he refereeing when you came in or was well, he wrestling? He's actually refereeing that match over there with Betty Nikolai. Oh, on the picture there. That, yeah, that's, that's, that's Tully. That's Tully bending down. Was, was, was Baby Doll coming to the shows at that point? I know she was working, helping no. some with the, with the programs at one she point. Was, she was up in um, Dallas. Oh, with Fritz. Okay. Yeah. Uh, wow. But, but Tully. Um, was he tagging with Gino at the point you made your comeback? So they were just starting doing the dynamic duo. Mm-hmm. And they were over his heels, were they not? Mm-hmm. They were hated. Yeah. So who was your first match back with when you came back to work for Joe? Do you remember? Betty Nicola. Betty Nicola. Wow, all these years later and you're back back in the ring again. Uh, you know, he said, i got to bring somebody that I trust. Because he knew he was afraid you were going to get hurt. Uh, somebody that, that, that isn't doing it part-time. Yeah, uh, somebody you know that's not going to. Uh, Marie Laverne was over and she was up for the funks in, in Amarillo. And it's like, but she was only a part-timer. Wow. So, you know, and I said, I don't care. You know, so, I don't care if you send me somewhere. I just want to wrestle. So, but, uh, so this is 80, 82. Wow, a lot of kind of changed in the landscape of wrestling from the time you got hurt, though. Vince is getting ready to buy from his dad, what, the next year or mm-hmm. just bought? The Crockett's are really starting to get the ground swell. Flair is on his second world title. He's starting to really get pushed, pushed hard. Yeah. Dusty's, Dusty's left Florida and gone to the Carolinas. A lot of things have changed at that point. Yeah. A lot of things have changed at that point. Moolah was losing her grip on the women's yep. division. Yep. What did you think? Did you think, what have I got myself back into, or are you just glad to be back? I was doing what I loved. That's all that mattered? That's all that mattered. You know, I, I live for wrestling. You know. I, I don't think a lot of fans understand that. And, when and, they say, and, when yeah. we say it's, it's our passion, it's truly our passion. And anybody that can walk away from it, truly walk away, it wasn't in their heart. No. You know, and I sit there and say, if you want to be one, it can't be in your brain. It's got to be in the heart because it hurts. You know, it, it legitimately, hurt. it hurts, you know. And it, it's just not the physical. I mean, you're away from your friends, your family. Yeah. It's, um, it's people don't, yeah. I don't think people ever put that into yeah. perspective. Yeah. And, 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 and I, will, I worked out with a young lady that parents were both, and, and she was trained by Mula. And, of course, Mula charged $3,500 for three months and then came up to parents. Both were doctors up in West Virginia. And, and well, I, I need to give her, she needs to lose a little more weight and I need another three months, but I'm only going to charge you. Two thousand for that. Well, it's like okay, uh, they pay her that, and it's like well, she needs to lose a little. After that, two months, she needs to lose a little more weight. Moolah's you know? telling her she needs to lose but, more. You know, and more. this girl is, is. You think Moolah's just stringing her along? Uh, well, parents or was she were, not catching on? The parent, no. I mean, the girl called on. Uh, the parents were doctors; they had money. You know, yeah. money was no object for this. So they, Moolah's they, just stringing them along. You know, for the money. she and, and this young lady is getting to drive Moolah in May because they were not seeing well at this time, and that's their chauffeur. You know, sure, she gets to go to all these big shows and the reunions and all that. And Moolah pays part of the expense. That, um, that reminds me when you said the thirty five hundred. I was going to ask you, and I told him, if you don't mind, say how much did Joe charge you back then? He didn't charge you anything. Not a penny. Because you were a kid, or because he just actually liked you that much. Because I was driven. He knew. And, he could and tell. he knew that. He could that, tell. That it didn't matter what figure I put on it, that he he wasn't going to be able to keep my parents from saying no. So let me do it for free and nobody will be angry. Right. And and uh, now the men were paying uh, $500. A session or for just, just for, to be trained? To be trained and, and, right. and get your first match. Yeah, when, I'm, you know, when I was trained, the guys that trained me wanted, it was 2500 now, mind you, when I came to Moolah in 71, I, I made the deal with her. I graduate May 31st, 1971. 
uh, when can you be here? Can you be here June 5th? Yes, I can. Me and my mother pulled out from Charlie Thomas Ford dealership where I bought, they got me my first Your Gran Torino there you're talking about. <laughs> and uh, uh, we we uh, went into Nacogdoches where my grandmother was at. Uh, and, and There's uh, a town you don't hear about a lot yeah, in South Carolina. <laughs> yeah, and, and we said that and we left the next morning and, and then uh, stayed a couple of days with my grandma and then left the morning of the third, fourth. We drove all the way to um, Atlanta uh, and picked up a young man hitchhiking. This was the 70s. <laughs> Different uh, era. An army, army guy. You know, he was in a uniform, so he had to be a good guy. Probably, probably just come back from the war at that uh, point. <laughs> and and uh, mom sat there and said, you know, he must be going to Shreveport. And I said, you know, I, I don't care. <laughs> uh, and where are you going to, son? Atlanta. Oh, and y'all were heading there, so <laughs> maybe it was we, meant to be. <laughs> we, we, he rode with us all the way to Atlanta, wow. Georgia from from. Denton, Texas. Denton, Texas, home of the Von Ericks. Yeah. So I sit there and said, you know, he sit there and said, you know, can I pay you? And it's like, you know, you're doing the country a favor. And I've always been a fan, you know, very patriotic. Sure, you're from Texas. That's kind of in your blood. Yeah, it, it, it's, yeah. It's kind of um, in y'all's blood. They kind of beat that in you down there. But uh, whenever we got up on the morning of the 5th, we got pulled in at Moolah's, um was she still living out there where she where, where the yeah. complex? Yeah. Really? She was out there that long? Mm-hmm. Wow. Uh, and Probably uh, the same house I met her in years ago. Yeah. And that was 20 years before that. <laughs> so she uh, uh, sat there and said, well, I'll just went into the little office. That I think it was a closet at one time. But <laughs> well, she wasn't sitting there at the table having a drink what? a cup of coffee well, she was with Flossie coffee. next to her. On the... <laughs> you know what I'm talking yeah. about. <laughs> she was drinking her coffee, but her and Flossie were on the outs right now. Oh, okay. Uh, they had... I think Vicki Williams was there and, and Donna Christiantello. Um, Donna was always coming and going. Yeah. That was a rough revolving door with her. Yeah. So um, we went to the office and she sat there and said, you know, it's going to be $300 to train you. And I said, you know, well, I'm trained. I'm trained. She, did she, she said, realize you'd already had 40, said, 50 matches at this point? And said, well, it doesn't matter. I have to train you. And I said, you don't have to train me. I'm trained. But, you know, my mother says it doesn't matter. We'll pay her whatever it takes to get you to wrestle. And, and she said, well, she don't have to do that. I can take it out whenever she gets her first pay. And it's like, no, we don't work like that. You know, whatever you charge. <laughs> so meeting Moolah was a whole different world from what you were used to dealing with Joe. Oh, yeah. I'm sure. And, of course, it was $40 a week to live in one of the little trailers that she had for the Oh, yeah, those family. famous trailers. All the girls and, lived out. And, you know, there was 27 of us girls at the time. You know, mm. uh, grown girls. She had six. Was Katie May out there at that point? Yeah. Did she adopted her yet? Yeah. So, Katie May is, is, is Diamond Little, the, the, the midget women's wrestler for fans out there who if, and I'm not speaking ill of little people, when you ask Moolah who's, oh, that's just my damn midget. That's yep. how she introduced her. <laughs> on her headstone, uh, they're on the vault. She yeah, based on Moolah her, and Johnny May. She, she sits there and talks about the damn midget. Yep, that's how she introduced her. That's, yeah. that's how I was introduced to the woman. <laughs> so, but, uh, you know, so my mother pays for the, the month's rent. For, it was $40 a week, so $160 for the month's pay for the, the deal, and then we pays it the 300 and, uh, and it's like, well, she don't have to do that. And says, no, because if she decides she wants to come home, she's got a card and a credit card. She's got her car and she's got a credit card to get gas. She's she, she can leave you and come on she back to us. She can leave anytime she wants. I got you. And course, so your mom gave you a back, she gave you a back door in case oh, you, you know. Oh, yeah. she, so Mula knew that I, I had a way out. You know, I didn't have to stay and, and there. And Nolan Lillian, she probably didn't like that. Yeah, it, no, she didn't. <laughs> most of the girls came there were from not 
They didn't have family support. They didn't have the family like yeah. like my yeah. I did. So you know, um, she was always worried if I. If I, I, I know. I know that when Tracy was out there with her, that was a contention they had. Because Tracy was trained by Beverly. She, like you, had had gotten bookings elsewhere. Yeah. She'd been around the world. She was friends with, even though Luna helped out, you know, Luna helped out Luna. She was friends with Lily, Luna, which means that Tracy had an end with, like, Sullivan and, the, and, and Eddie and those guys in Florida. Yeah. And she'd worked for Nick Goulas. She didn't need Lillian. Yeah. And Lillian didn't like that. Yeah. So, so you know, I had my out because my parents... Right. ...let her know right. that. So, right. she, you know, she wasn't the happiest camper with me because... She and I, I don't you. mind. I don't. She couldn't control you. Yeah, that I don't mind her calling me a rebel because it was, you know. And it was <laughs> rebels tend to be the best ones to make it in this business. You, know? <laughs> you got to be a little bit different. And, and uh, whenever she'd get mad at me, and I didn't have bookings, I sit there and just was jokingly talking to one of her boyfriends at the time that had a mechanic shop mm-hmm. and records. And I sit there and I said, you know, well, I got a CDL because I drove a tractor trailer for a few months after the break. You've done everything. <laughs> if somebody said I couldn't do it. No, not you. You're not hard-headed like that. (laughs) And my my parents brought me up that I could do anything I wanted to do. You know, if I wanted to do it, there was nobody around that could say I couldn't. You know, and and anybody's like that. And that's what got you back in the ring after the neck injury. Oh, oh yeah. You know. Just pure drive. Just the drive. Well, how long after you'd gone back to Texas and you're back in the ring now, you said it was like 82, when did you come back to Columbia? When did you move back out here? Came back out here in 87. So five years later. Yeah. And, uh... Same place, right here where we are right, right now, right, in the gym? You're right here in the this gym. This is when you built the gym? Yes. So is that gym. when you opened your, start training was in 87? I, no, I didn't start training anybody until 89. So two uh, years later, you decided to go ahead and open the gym and start training? Yeah, and, and I did this for me. I wanted to stay in shape. This was me, you mm-hmm. know, and then I was like, well, they couldn't afford Moolah. You know, and, and the girl that I was telling you about earlier, that her parents, and, he, and Moolah was kind of milking her the fun money. She let, and I said, well, I'm not going to train you while you're over at Moolah's. Well, she's, you know, she's wanting another 3500 And I said, there. I said, well, Wendy, leave and, and leave over there and get you a place. And find a, you know, she was working as a waitress and all that. And she worked over here on this side of town. So I said, find you a place and, and, and you know, we can train. And her parents wanted to know how much. I, I said, I'm not going to charge her a penny. She's already paid Miller way too much, you know. And she, I, as far as the financial part, as far as the paying your dues in this business, I, she's done she's, it. She's, you know, and it's like, well, you know, she, you haven't done anything. And I said, it's not right. Well, I guess I, the first time you and me got close was that was kind of what was going on. I remember you would, you would have these girls come in and you'd call me or I'd call you and say, why don't you come down? I got a girl. I need to get her in the ring with somebody a little different other than me. Yeah. And I would come down and I'd get in the ring with these girls you were training. And, and, and it seemed like. Nine out of every ten of them were just what you're saying. They were kid, girls that had started out with Moolah, and Lillian had kind of run them off at that point, and they had come to you. Or sometimes Lillian would just send them to you, would she not? Uh, you should sit there and say that, you know, green's the only thing that's going to make you do something. And, you know, and, and with Wendy, I sat there and told her, you know, both her parents, and, and she went in, did really well on, on her college entry form and for going into medical, and, and she mm. did well in biology, and you know. I said, why didn't you? Because I want to be a wrestler. And I said, when well, at least you, you had the passion. You know, I said, you know, it's in your head. It's not in your heart. You know, and she said, you know, and I said, look. And I set her down, and I said, if this is not in your heart, you don't mind throwing me around. And I can take every bump you want to throw, and I can do everything. But when it's my turn, you won't get up. She wanted to die on you. You know, and it's like, you know, you've got to take the body slams. You've got to take the monkey flips. You've got to take the bills. You've got, you know... You mm-hmm. got to take the drop kicks, and if I hit you with the drop kick, if you don't fall the first time, I bet you will the second. Bet you will the second time. <laughs> you know, and, and, and it's like, 
And I, I sit her right here in this corner that I'm sitting in now at this ring and, and sit there and told her, I said, you know, I want you to go home and have a heart-to-heart. You know, well, Owen Hart, and he had already passed away, and I got was to this, meet was him. Was this the girl that you brought me in? Yes. And, and I, oh. <laughs> anyway. I, I got a little carried away that day, but you backed me. <laughs> and and it's, it's, you know, I mean, wrestling is wrestling. you got to be, you got to take as much as you give. I always say it's a dance, yeah. but it's not ballet. Yeah. Sometimes I get the lead, and sometimes you get the lead. Yeah, you know, and, and it's one of those that it, it, it is, and I said, you know, whenever you were throwing me, and I was taking the body sims, and I was taking the suplex, and I was door shutting. Okay. Um, it, 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 you was having fun, and, and you was ragging me, and you was doing everything you were supposed to do. But when it was my turn, mm-hmm. you didn't even want to get thrown into the turnbuckle. <laughs> you know, and I said, that's that ain't even really falling. That's just taking a hit. Well, I'm kind of glad you went that way with this. I one of the things I wanted to ask you before you know we get run along here on time before we wrap up. I know you don't watch a lot of the current product, but you've watched some and oh, you've yeah. seen tape. Um, I just wrote a I write a blog on the on the website that's associated with the podcast, and the last one I wrote was about being an effective baby. And it seems to me, you know, that a lot of people and even people I respect in the business. I, I, I Jim Ross talks about a lot on his blog, his podcast about. The, the lack of heels and how hard it is to be an effective heel in today with the way society is. And it's hard for me as a guy who was a babyface the vast majority of his career to look at it from that angle. You, like me, that's probably why I came to you and we felt such a kinship while we're a babyface most of your career. I kind of think it's not just that. They aren't teaching kids how to be effective babyfaces anymore today either. Do you, do you agree or disagree? I, I agree because today there is neither one or the other. It's too much gray. Yeah, you, you don't you don't know what they are from the time they step in the ring. Are they fish or you foul? Yeah, and yeah. they just don't know. Yeah, you know you you just don't know because used to you wanted everybody to hate you if you were the bad guy, and if you was a good guy, you wanted everybody to want your autograph. You right. Know? And and I go to some of these fan fests, and and it's one of those things. They said, you know, we can't have dinner with you or, or lunch with you because we're told not to bother you while you're up here. We can only talk to you when you're down in the the, the function. Area and are these just fans or are these, these other like younger wrestlers coming? These up to are you? fans, you know. Okay. And I sit there and said, "You drove from California to meet me Why because I was going to be here, and I told you to come have breakfast with me, and now you're telling me you can't sit at the table with me." Yeah, that brings up something too. I think that Vince is is so protective of of the guys now that it, there's. There's such a separation between the fans and, and, and the wrestlers. They, they don't feel a connection they used yeah. to feel with us anymore. You look at the pictures on the wall. Look at how close the fans are to me. They're, they're right on my heels. I mean, he's yeah. moved the barricade yeah. back. and uh, yeah. He's so protective of the boys now. I, I've, I've got pictures of, of people standing on the apron getting autographs from oh, me yeah. there in Dallas. You know, and, and it's The like, kids come up and ask you for autograph right there as you're yeah, ring, taking your raincoat off. You know, and it, it's like, you know, that was one of the things. And, and like I was telling the gentleman that drove from California... That at this fan fest, that if you have any feedback, I'm inviting you to sit at my table while I have breakfast. Mm-hmm. Let them talk to me, because they won't say a word. Right. When you're at my table, there will not be a. If you're talking to me, if you're taking a picture with me, they will not say a word. Well, we can't get pictures with you because we're supposed to go through the the organization. Who's got seventy five dollars to pay for an eight by ten picture? And, 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 and two and, seconds of hi, how you doing, you know, goodbye, good to meet like, you. It's like, you know, yeah. hello. You know, and I'm at this fan fest, and I had taken some of my jackets, and I gave my jackets away to fans. 
Are these fans that you remember from your days at the Cow Palace uh, or that far back? One of them was, and the other one was a young man that uh, obviously he was in a wheelchair and had some form of muscular dystrophy. You know? Some kind of handicap. And he was so excited. You know? sure. and, I, and then they're sitting there saying, well, sign it. And it's like, this is, this is true Velveteen. Wow. Well, I mean, that's, that's, I, I think that's part of it. I, I don't think they, these kids are taught nowadays how to carry themselves outside the ring. But as far as the in-ring stuff goes, I, I think it plays a lot to what you were talking about. The, what I said in this blog, and, and I hope some of the listeners have had a chance to read it, and if you haven't, please go to a, A1Wrestling.com and look under the blog. The name of the blog is Holding Out for a Hero. Sometimes, if to be an effective babyface, you've got to give the heel almost 90% of the offense. Oh, yeah. Do you, do you agree with that? Oh, yeah. I mean, at least I don't like this fifty-fifty even Stephen booking. Well, I, I got I, I did the honors for you tonight, so tomorrow night you're going to do them. For, that doesn't to me that doesn't build heat. There's uh, there's, there's yeah. no drama involved in well, that. You know, and another thing I tell there and tell people if if I didn't make them like me and they didn't want me, then I wouldn't be who I am. Right, exactly. You know, it, it takes them wanting to see me, and it took me having the the charisma to make them. And and you know. I was only in town for a week, or mm-hmm. in the territory for a week, maybe two. You know, Roy for three. Right. Uh, uh, the Bells down in Los Angeles, maybe three or four. Right. You know? uh, Canada, Gene Kaninsky would start in Vancouver for two weeks and then go over to Calgary for two weeks. For and then and yeah. the next over to the... Uh, Rizzo's? Tunny. Oh, to Tunny. Tunny for, for two, and, and Rizzo's for maybe a week, and then up... So you're just bouncing. Yeah. Because you're that, like I was telling them, the girls were you all more of a special attraction. Yeah. You're only getting a week yeah. of, week shot in each territory. Yeah. You know, I mean, most of the posters that you see from back in the, those days, it was girls, girls, girls. So you had to do, you, you had to think, I've got to get myself over with this crowd and I've got a week to do it. So it's a completely different mindset. Yeah. You know, I've got to make them want me back. Right. You know. I don't care. And I was leaving. They was and you got to make it to the point where the fans make the promoter understand that we want, want this girl back. That girl. Gotcha. You know, and, and, and that's how you put food on your table. Oh, yeah. Yeah, sure. You know, you know, but whenever I was talking about me having a CDL license and, and then whenever I, Mula got mad at me and I wasn't working and I was sitting there talking and Bobby said, no, you don't. And I ended up pulling my driver's license out and flashing it over at him and he said, you want to drive a record? I said, sure. Sure. <laughs> you know, if I'm not working, he's a, and then of course, got you're always going to make sure you got I, bread bread on your table. <laughs> there's going to be money in my pocket. <laughs> uh, I, 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 two things green I like, my name. And what's in your money. wallet. <laughs> and, and I sit there and I said, so I started driving the record. And back in my day in the 72 when I started driving for him, uh, you had to get to the scene and talk the victim into letting you pull. Right. Well, here I am, long blonde hair, and I'm a female. <laughs> he thinks whatever. <laughs> yeah. And... and he has me in a little white jumpsuit with Mathis Garage on it, and I jump out at these wrecks and these burly guys driving these 18-wheelers, and they're sitting there saying, I want to see her do it. <laughs> they obviously don't know you. <laughs> no, and it's like, you know, I pull the chains and throw the stuff, and I, I do my thing, and I said, you know, I get all these guys, that even in, the, in car wrecks, you know, they said, I want to see her do it. You know, and I'd be crawling up under the car, hooking them up, pulling them up. We didn't have the rollbacks. We had the slings. <laughs> you know, I sit there and said, so I got a lot of wreckers, a wreck pulled because I'd get there and I didn't have to say a word. It was the victim sitting there saying, I want to see her. So it had the same mentality as far as how you approached in the ring. You had to have them be just 
Wow, I want to see her. Yeah. And I said, you know, I'd be sitting there, and of course my hair was past my shoulders, and I'd sling it around at those wrecks and smile. <laughs> you're working the, you're working the people. <laughs> it's like you're at a show in the ring. Yeah, but I, I got the pulls. Well, a lot of, uh, one of the guys that, that's, that's uh, the panelist on the, on the podcast, he's been kind of pushing around a match he found on YouTube of yours with Monster Ripper from 91 for Carlos. And if you watch that match, um, that's one of those where you gave her 90% of the match. You, 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 you did I didn't it. get out of my jacket for 10 minutes. No, you didn't. <laughs> you took a bump on the, on, in the middle, on the, on the, on the pitcher's mound. On the, it was in a baseball stadium, and, and you, you did a juice job for it. It stretched you out. I mean, but if you listen to the crowd, there. Now, here is a, a white girl with blonde hair against a Hispanic girl in Puerto Rico, and they're cheering you, and they're booing her out of the arena. And, 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 you, and you think that's simply because you know they felt sorry for you. They, I mean, that was his first comment was, man, Susan looked super sympathetic in that, that match. And I'm like, but well, now I you understand think, where I got my, some of my philosophy yeah, from. I, I, I always showed the people that I had fight. When they thought I was down. I was, yeah, I always you got to have fire. Yeah. Don't ever die. That's what you talked yeah. about. Don't ever. I don't care if I've got to grab these ring ropes. If I've got to grab the trunks of the guy I'm wrestling, I'm never down. I, of course, I had the teddy bear, and I'd work that gimmick. I'd still be working towards Teddy. I was not staying down. Yeah. You could beat me down, but I was I was yeah. getting up. Yeah. And I think fans don't understand. They want to see this. You know, I watched I watched Vince's TV every week, and I watched some matches, and I go, well, that, that was a nice gymnastics display I just saw. I didn't see any wrestling. I didn't see one hold. I didn't see one lockup. I didn't see any drama whatsoever. How does that bother you if somebody came up where, I mean, like you said, when you came in, you thought it was a shoot. You didn't get smartened up until you actually got in the ring. How, does, how do you feel about I, that? I did not know it was work until I came to Moolah in 70. So, I mean, yeah, so how do you feel about I, that? I, I, I didn't know it. She didn't tell me anything. How do you yeah. feel about that when now this business is, I mean, everything's been, everybody's smart to the business now, or at least they think they're smart, and and there's no there's no drama, and it's... Uh, I don't agree with it. I think it, they should be brought up, and the people that are saying old school... They don't know what old school is. You know, when you're willing to jump in the car and drive 400 miles and make $25 and come home the same night, you know, yeah. that's old school. When I, when I got in the car and I drove from here to Oklahoma City, did uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma, take that back, Tulsa, got out, wrestled for, for Leroy McGurk, got a shower, got back in the car, drove down Marilla, Texas, wrestled for Dory, senior, Dory, Dory yeah. you know, got back in the car and drove to San all the way out of the West Coast. And I Lord. didn't sleep. Ricky Morton taught me very early on that, brother, 20 minutes, a locked car in a rest area will do you worlds of good. When you had, when you felt like, and, and driving the tractor trailer, my dad says, if you get the least bit not, not sleepy and naughty, pull over, 20 minutes, you'll never, you'll never be good for eight hours. I, I've, I've, I've forgotten more of the good advice than I'll ever remember that you've, you've told me in my almost 20 years in the business, but... The one that I think stuck with me the most along those lines, we had just met, and, and I, was, I wasn't I was green, but I was just coming out of that green phase, and you said, kid, you'll be smart when somebody who's been around longer than you knows more than you, and everybody says is smart, says you're smart. Yeah. And that was probably the best advice I ever got, and uh, it served me well in the wrestling business, <laughs> that that advice. Now, now we, we, I want to, I got a few more things I'll talk about to wrap this up, but a lot, of, a lot of fans don't know. I know it was all over uh, a lot of the, the newsletters a few years ago because, quite frankly, Dave Meltzer was, 
getting information from me. He was emailing me. We almost lost you a few years ago. You had a real bad accident. Um, some of the repercussions from that were, were some surgery. You hurt your shoulder. What, whatever happened, what, what was the whole deal with it? Was it your intestines that got infected or? I got mugged on the job when I was a zoning inspector for the city of Columbia when my ribs got broke, my nose was broke, my cheekbone was cracked. Uh, this was concussion. Oh, four? Uh, oh, six, yeah. I was out of work because of, of flashbacks and all that, and I said when I was able to return to work, I was going one hour at a time, you know, and then I couldn't, I, was, I, I, I didn't deal well with being in in combated situations. If a contractor got mad and started fussing, it was like, we can talk over the hood of this truck. I'm not going to stand next to you, you know. So we're talking now, 20 years after the after the, the boat wreck, yeah. you're right back to being in the hospital, being told you're never going to get in the ring again, and you're not as young as you were back then. Yeah, well, you know, this was February 5th. My knee had went out because the, the, the guy that mugged me, it was six. 547 because I was supposed to be on the job. It was almost 6 in the morning you told me, yeah. yeah. I was supposed to be on the job at location. And did he not hit you with a pipe or something? Yeah. I had a, a concussion uh, along with me. And, and, of course, my supervisors were upset because I did $3,500 worth of damage. My body did the damage to the Silverado. To the, to the, the city of Columbia's truck. truck. You know, but I said I did not intentionally. Now, now you understand, Miss Green, that's, that, that's, that's yeah. taxpayer dollars you're, yeah. I did not you're wrecking in, there. I did not intentionally <laughs> kiss the side of that truck with my face. I can. I remember you sent me the pictures. I mean, you had a shiner and, yeah. oh, yeah, it was bad. My, my nose was broken, my top lip, the teeth went through it, through my lip, and it, it's sticking out farther than my nose, and my nose was big enough because it was broke. Um, I... I that was left in but, but it was the knee that was what the doctors had to do the surgery on from, from, the, from the attack, right? Uh, you well, blew your knee out? Or? Uh, well, I, I was at home, and, and I, my knee went out, and I fell, and I busted my head open. Well, I, I couldn't get it to stop bleeding well enough to, to go drive myself because I knew I needed stitches. So I called a friend, and they took me to the hospital, and they did not think I was going to make it to the hospital because I looked so bad. Well, I'd only went to the hospital two weeks earlier, and they said I was dehydrated and gave me a bag of fluid and... Uh, I had broke ribs also from this attack, you know, and I played dead because I realized I could not fight this man back or this and he's person. Got a, he's got a, he's got a, he's hitting me the pipe. You know, he's, he's staying, but he would not fight me face to face. He stayed behind me. I didn't want you to see his face. Uh, Who knows? Five, five thirty, five forty-five. It's dark. It's, yeah. it's rainy. It's December the 20th. You know, I mean, let's... Yeah, it's a good point. Right before Christmas, you know, it's cold, yeah. Uh, it, it's, it, the security light didn't come on mm. uh, unless you had a big vehicle. It did not come on to my Saturn that wow. I was driving. So. Now it would come on to the dark bus that was delivering the handicap right. that, that ran the concession, but they didn't come in until 7. But, but I thought that the infection that where we almost uh, lost you there came from a, a surgery. Well, it, it did. Uh, I... The doctors at Lexington Hospital, where my, my friend took me, mm. uh, they were saying there was something wrong, and they were mashing on my stomach. And I said, it's not my stomach, it's my knee. And they needed to do surgery. Well, you ain't doing all that on my gut because it's my knee. So you're being hard-headed still. <laughs> you, know, and, and, you know, I said, my head's bleeding, and y'all ain't worried about that. But you know, Just leave my stomach alone. It's my knee. And it's like, well, we need you to sign this paper for surgery. And I said, you give me a cortisone shot. You're thinking, you're thinking, that's... Oh, just my knee, no big deal. You know, uh, but they knew something was up. Yeah, you know. Oh, they said my eyes were yellow. Ah. So I was, I was jaundiced. And, and the machine they were doing, at one time my liver was working, the next time my liver wasn't working. Ooh. So 
Anyway, they give me a cortisone shot, and I signed the papers, and that's the last thing I knew, and that was February 5th of post. That's when it got dicey. And then, but there wasn't a surgeon one at Lexington that would do surgery on me. Because I remember, but I talked to you maybe a day or two before you fell and busted your head, and then we didn't talk again for almost six months because you were out of it for that long. Yeah, so I... Uh, that about right? I, yeah. I remember, yeah. I, uh, I uh, sat there and signed these papers when they gave me the cortisone shot, and... and uh, they brought a surgeon in from the Baptist Hospital, and he came in, and, and, and his records is due to scar tissue from the broke ribs that ruptured my colon and my intestines. So you're going septic, have all these internal, have no idea. Nope. And it's all from these broken ribs. Yep. And so he decides, he's putting you on the knife right there on the spot then, yeah. is he not? So he, he does the surgery to repair everything, and of course I lost six foot of my intestines and mm-hmm. two inches of my colon. Mm-hmm. Uh, and... <laughs> I don't remember anything for 110 days. Uh, they called my family in three times because I was not expected the last time they were called I remember in. It was, it was, they gave me you were, It was real touch and go there for a while, sister. Uh, the, the, real the, touch and go. The, the third time they called the family in, I had 24 to 36 hours, and the doctor had just sent my family home 20 hours earlier. Right. They had right. just hit Texas. They weren't even home. And you were still in the hospital when I talked to you, and I remember yeah. you you were doing better, and then you, you dipped again one yeah. I ended up taking a serious dip, but I said the the first two times, I I didn't even know there was anything wrong because I was out of it. Sure, yeah. Yeah. And I remember your sister coming out here because I remember talking to her for about it. It was, we were scared. We thought we were going to lose you. Uh, You know, I've got a close friend here in Columbia, and she said, until they put me in the ground and the dirt's thrown on me, she's not going to believe I'm dying. (laughs) (laughs) Because I've been known to come back. What? It ain't. You're, you're, you're a different breed. Uh, that's, that's the one thing that's changed about the business is we talked about legitimate. Yeah. Hey, we, we all stuck around until they put the dirt on, on Moolah because we weren't sure if this, if this was a work. Or... Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't going to want to be the only one drop dead if she set up. <laughs> I would have been shocked. <laughs> uh, oh, but, right. you know, I mean, God rest her soul. She, she did give my career the, the boost I needed to be able to. And as much as you know, everybody looks at me kind of sideways when I talk about she was one of those ladies, you know, old timers that mentored me. I have all the respect in the world for what Moolah did. Yeah. She never did me wrong. Yeah. Now, am I upset with some of the things I've heard she did to some of my other friends? Sure, I am. But I learned a long time in the wrestling business you can't judge an individual on how they treated somebody else. Yeah. It just it doesn't work that no. way. Which, which, which reminds me, I, I want to uh, play a little name game with you. I'm going to name some names here, and I want you to just give me one sentence. Just one sentence. What pops in your mind when you first start to think of this this person? Okay. Black Jack Mulligan. Hell of a friend, and we'll never forget the first body slam I took from him. <laughs> okay. Roy Shires. Love the man to death because he, he made my career what it is. I don't know how much you dealt with this one, but I, this is why I thought I, I get your. I always love asking old timer this one. Jim Barnett. Here's my girls. Well, Susan. <laughs> Darling. <laughs> Yeah. That's my Jess Jim Garnett. Yeah, yeah. God um, rest his soul too. Yeah. Vern. Great guy. Um, paid me well. Good payoff man. Good payoff man. Yeah, I heard he was pretty good with the, with the, he was pretty fair and equitable with his payoffs. Was he as tough as they say he was? Yeah. Or he was I mean he had a big ego, but you kinda got to to make it in this business. Yeah. His ego was larger than life, but But he really was that over in Minneapolis. I mean yeah. he was a god there, was he yeah, not? He okay. he was. Uh, Roy Shires. I mean, you you do you could have a sorry crowd, and if you gave him what he wanted, yeah, I heard you, that about him. You got paid. You heard that about him. He was a spot. He was a spot. He, you told me about it. he shorted you. 
$100 because you missed a drop. He won yeah. three drop kicks and a finish. And, yeah. And, and you got your pay. And there was only, it was $100 short. And you said, I said three drop kicks. You only gave me two or something like that. Yeah. And it's like, yes, sir. <laughs> yeah. You're not the only one to tell me that about Roy Shires. Yeah. Uh, fabulous Mula. She gave my career a push. Um, she was a businesswoman. Mm-hmm. Um, have no complaints with her because everything that I did, I agreed to. She was your dance partner. Right, right. Well, it is what it is. It is what it is, you know. And, and I mean, we did have some outs. Um, I was a tougher woman, but I was also a bigger woman because I, I was willing to sell back what I was able to take. Sure, sure. The nature boy, Ric Flair. Uh, he Champ, Champ to, loves you, too. He will sit there and tell you in a heartbeat that I've kicked his <laughs> tail. I haven't kicked it, uh, but I have threatened to kill you every place I've been with you. They broke the mold when they when they made Ric Flair. Oh yeah, they did. They, he's he's a one of a kind. Yeah. <laughs> Fritz von Erich, you you you, 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 you there. You, little, little, you had to think real quick. Uh, I mean, I know you don't want to speak ill of the dead, but this is a little bit of a shoot. I mean, yeah. if it's he, he he was a good guy uh, yeah. in some ways. He he held and and he didn't pay well. But, a lot of people tell me that uh, he was. If I wanted to work Texas and I wanted to do the whole southern swing that i had to work for him he was the man yeah. you know um but but he, he liked the short you on payoffs you know but none other is better than nick goulas uh, that's that's funny that was my that was my next yeah that was nick uh, goulas and jerry jerry we can kind of lump them together okay. nick goulas uh everybody would call him uncle nick and I, I actually walked out on the man because i didn't want him to be my uncle so i walked out uh he shorted me <laughs> sell out sell out crowds Nashville, Memphis, Knoxville, and he thinks. And I, I had to draw two hundred bucks. I had to do some work on my car, and he gave me a two hundred. And, and I said, you know, I need to get another advance. And he says, you got your pay for the week. I said, excuse me. <laughs> you, you know what Austin used to call that, didn't you? The Nutrisystem territory. He goes, because it's the only place you can work the loop and lose weight. <laughs> yeah. But, but, uh, you know, you go, you go to Evansville, three thousand. The Louisville Garden, you know, fifteen hundred down. At, Twenty dollars, <laughs> and I'm not talking. I'm not talking to Bob. I'm talking mid-level card guys. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, we're talking <laughs> main, main, uh, semi-main, and, and you make and you, for three sellout crowds, and we're talking the bigger, big shows, and, and two hundred for a week, and I, and and uh, <laughs> yeah. so I walked out. I did three days, and then and left. And called, called Mula. You can always he didn't st- he didn't stick his son with you and tell you yeah. to get him over. <laughs> That was Bill Dundee got stuck with that one. I I I called uh, Miller and when I was gassing up on the outskirts of Nashville and said, "You know, I'm coming home, Lily, and I'm coming home." And she says, "You can't. You still got four days." And I said, "Oh no." And what do you Uh, mean? I said, "You know, you said two hundred plus," and he said, "Yeah, but everybody says that, but you got those were hot. Was a hot territory. He might have been paying the boys and the girls, but." Yeah. He, drew, he drew. Oh, he drew crowds. He drew crowds. He drew crowds. Those he Tennessee did. fans love their wrestling. Oh yeah, you know, no doubt about that. But but you know, when I walked out, I, did, I but he won't ever. I don't want to go back. I don't want him to be my uncle. <laughs> you know? All right, okay. All the funks, senior, junior, and Terry. Just get, not all of them, just together as as a family, as a Texas. Very close. Very close. Uh, they stood by each other, and 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 when when Dad was sitting there saying he was going to shut down in '72, it was like. That's when uh, Junior and Terry stepped up, wasn't it? Uh, well, uh, Dad said he wanted to shut down, and, and he they started saying, "Dad, we'll you know we'll keep it running," and 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 you know he said, "No, well, let's close it down." I've always said, and, and, and 
I haven't, unfortunately, have only been able to meet Junior one time and never got to meet Senior. Yeah. And I only met Terry a handful of times. What you see is what you get. Yeah. It's not much of a work with them. No. Well, what understand. you see on camera, that 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 That's really is who the folks are. are. Yeah. Uh, and, and but they're good basically, people. Basically, whenever they they shut down the territory, you know, he he ran all the way through Christmas and, and didn't start seventy three, and that's when they started doing the dojo. You know. Now I hope you don't get emotional with this one, but I'm gonna ask you anyways. David Von Eric. Uh, a nice guy had some problems, you know. And, and what everybody's got to realize is that, that most everybody, whenever you're you're the small timers and you're not making any money, uh, nobody approaches you. When you start making money. Uh, everybody's your friend everybody's your friend and they start giving you stuff because they want you to get hooked on it and when you get hooked on it then it, costs, it starts costing you how good a, how good a series that Kevin Flair would have had if he had not left us early and they'd have had a hell of a run I think so too yeah, uh, yeah. and I think he was I, I think he may have not had the looks of Kerry he may not have had the, the he athlete. looked like a wrestler that what, what we were supposed to be Kerry you know he understood yeah. the business better yeah, than Kerry and Kevin and that's no offense to Kerry yeah, and Kevin yeah you know and and I think running off my looks. I, I yeah exactly. I think had David lived, that territory would be still be going today. Oh yeah, you know, I think and, he, and, he he was he was paying attention to his dad and how yeah. to run the business. Yeah, and 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 he was he he, he had the you know the look of what people look at. you know he looked like Fritz. He, he was Fritz six seven two eighty. You know he he didn't have the body well. You know Kerry went into bodybuilding, bodybuilding, and, and, and the discus and he, down there yeah. down there at Houston and everything. Yeah, Vince Senior. He was wonderful. He, he, I've heard nothing but great things about him. Yeah. All the old timers. He, he, you know, we did TV. He, he closed the restaurants down there in DC to for us all the wrestlers to be able to take us out to eat mm-hmm. and pick up the tab, whatever, whatever we wanted to eat or drink. Uh, Hershey, Pennsylvania. He picked up the tab, shut the restaurant down, and I mean, we're we're talking. You're talking. You're, if, yeah. That's a pretty hungry crew he's feeding. Yeah, you're, you're, you're pulling sixty people because he yeah. took the the ring crowd and all. Oh, six, yeah. six, six, sixty people, and and then we're talking a restaurant that maybe hold two or three hundred dollars, or it's two or three hundred people. And, and he shut it down. He shuts six. it down for sixty people. Yeah. Two more. Chief Wahoo. Hell of a guy. Uh, I miss Chief. Yeah, he, I get a little, he, I get a little he, teary eyed when I think about yeah. Chief. Uh, didn't deserve what happened to him. And, and and I and I tell everybody a true man's man. Yeah. Uh, and, and criminally underrated for how important he was to this business. Uh, miss I miss Chief. Push that he should have been given he wasn't always given, but yeah. he said that's break. But hell, hell of a man and, yeah. and a true athlete. Yeah. Last one, Andre the Giant. A gentle giant. Uh, it was one of those that we're working in Philadelphia, and we had to come down up. A hallway that was darker than dark you couldn't even see your hand in front of it to this little curtain that you knew where you went out on the stage to go to the arena and i bumped into a wall <laughs> of course i hollered because the wall was moving and he started apologizing and i'm saying no no and he was so apologetic because he didn't mean to scare me what hell i could have scared him he didn't know i was there you know but i'm the one that hollered uh and and, and it very a gentleman all the way i know from what i understand because unfortunately i was you know he'd passed before i got into the business or right around the time i got into the business he was a little protective of the girls of y'all oh yeah, oh, yeah. very protective uh, of y'all and i was supposed to be on one of his shoulders when he picked everybody up my that famous like, picture yeah and it's like no i don't want to get up there that's kind of high <laughs> y'all might be an idiot yeah. <laughs> but I, only if i get the shoulder or i get to be on you know, <laughs> i'll be I, i'll i'll lock my legs around his back i'll be behind his head hanging oh, on oh 
I know Luna thought the world Andre. Well, I think Andre was pretty close with her uncle and dad, wasn't mm-hmm. he? Yes. And they, they, well, that was the first territory he came from France over yeah, to was, yeah. was, to, was to Canada, was yeah, it? Yeah, because it was French. Spoke French, yeah, yeah. sure, sure. A um, couple more things I want to go over, then we're going to wrap this up. In 2011, you got a special uh, something, I guess, is even better than a world title. You got inducted into the Hall of Fame. How, how'd that come about? Tell me a little bit about it. I never heard your uh, story much on that. I didn't really know I was being inducted, but... Um, was it in Atlanta or Charlotte? Um, or no, 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 it was... Um, shoot, where was it? I can't remember. It was somewhere on the East Coast, though, yeah, wasn't out west? Yeah. Because it was the NWA. Yeah. Uh, but they uh, they took a poll, and then uh, there was a fan that got behind me saying I deserved it, you know. And there's only two females in the NWA. You and Patty, isn't it? Yeah, well, Lonnie Kai and me. Yeah. Uh, but 2003, yeah, and I and I was coming so, back. So, I mean, how does this work out? Do you just get a phone call, and uh, one day they're like, you're going to be in the NWA Hall of Fame. Yeah, they... they. That's how it worked out? Yeah. They, you didn't think it was a rib, or...? or? I, I did, until I got, <laughs> on, I got on the Internet, and it's, you know, NWA... You know, Holy like crap! Susan Green, you know, uh, anonymously elected into the NWA, and... and, and, and uh, uh, I went unchallenged into the end of it. And I believe this... No, no, his, his was... Somebody... Flair didn't go in the same year you did, but somebody else did that was a really, really big in this area. I want to remember... I could look it up. I can't remember now. Um, I, I don't remember. I, I was so shocked because everybody was sending me emails and, and Facebook, I, you know. How does that make you feel, though, to, to realize that you've had this huge body of work? We've talked about twice now that you've, you've almost lost you. Yeah. And, and, and to be recognized by the fans and your peers. How does that, how does that feel? Be honest. Overwhelming. Almost too much? Yep. That's honest. That's honest. Well, even though we've talked about you've had all these things going on, I know you still you still train uh, aspiring wrestlers here in Columbia. Yeah. And what's the name of your – go on, go ahead, plug away. What's the name of your school, Susan? <laughs> I, I, you might even get in the ring with me every once in a while yeah, if you I've come actually, here. I got a, a – yeah, I still climb in the ring when I have to, I train people. They can't believe it, and I said even when I, I can't believe it. I uh, I scold you every time I hear yeah, that too. You know, well, it, it's when I when I fell out of the tree and shattered my arm back in May. I had a training session going on before the first surgery, and I had my arm in the sling, and I was up here because they were aggravating me, and they wasn't listening to me. So I, you know, busted up. I'm I'm old school. You know, as long as I can breathe and walk, I can do what I have to do. Uh, you gym, might die out there, but you'd yeah. rather die right here in this ring, wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah. It, it, my gem's called the Gem of Pain and Glory. I've got a page on it on the on Facebook that that says the Gem of Pain and Glory, and uh, so it, it kind of says what I'm doing, and it posts pictures from today to yesterday's. No, uh, <laughs> and she's not kidding when she says pain and glory. Yeah, I've got some glory out of wrestling, and I felt some pain in this. Yeah. In this, this. Yeah, this ring definitely hurts. Yeah. <laughs> It's a pretty, it's, yeah. yeah I mean, but you still take prospective students? How, how do they get in touch with you if they want to train with you? Uh, they, they can hit me up on Facebook on the, the Gem and Pain. And board. you're listed under? Uh, Susan Green. Susan Green. Yeah. Uh, so it, it, it's, uh, I'll even give my phone number. It's, uh, Go ahead. 803-755-7856. Um, leave a message, I'll call you back. I, you know, that's probably the most common question I get amongst people. How do I become a wrestler? And where's a, where's a good place? Because you know now, how, where's a good place to go? I, I know uh, Lance Storm has a really great school up in Calgary, and I and I could speak well for his school. Booker T has a great one in Houston. But if you're here in this area, I, from personal experience, I can tell you this is you'll get trained the old school way here, and you might even get get in the ring with me, the crazy train, because I I've been known to come down here and help you out every once in a while. Yeah. So it, it, you do that with a lot of the guys around here. You have us come in and yeah. work with, with, with your kids. Yeah, I do. 
Um, you know, and, and, I, and I sit there and whenever I'm training somebody, I sit there and I said, I don't just train you to do the dance with the people here in America. I train you to be able to protect yourself if you go to Japan. Right. So you don't get 35 stitches in the back. <laughs> You're here from a bucket. <laughs> well, I, I tell everybody the biggest thing when you get trained nowadays, it doesn't help if the person who's trained you doesn't have that phone number and can't make that call. Yeah. Because unfortunately, what, better or worse, there's only one game in town here in North America. And this lady here, she, she's got that number. She can make that call. And there's not many of these schools around here that can do that for you. Well, sister, I, I appreciate all your time. And, and I hope the fans enjoyed this. And it's always a pleasure to sit down and talk with you. I love you. I love you. It's so, been a blast. All right. Until next time. Thanks, folks. So there you have it. Look back on the life and career of the great Susan Tex Green. And I think we probably haven't heard the last of Susan. I I wouldn't be surprised at all if she's on the show in 2018 to talk something new because we got a lot of irons in the fire when it comes to classic wrestling memories as far as subjects, you know, tag teams. Uh, I'd like to do an episode on Macho Man Randy Savage, just my own personal preference, just because I'm, I'm a Savage fan. We could do shows on the Freebirds. Uh, we're going to do one on Portland. Let us know what you want to hear. You can hit us up on Twitter at TWBP Show. That's the Wrestling Brethren Podcast Show. That's what the TWBP stands for. We also have Facebook comments at ClassicWrestlingMemories.com. And the Facebook, you can actually still find the A1-Wrestling.com Facebook page. Let us know what you want to hear. We want to hear from you, the fans. This is a show by fans, for fans, and we want to know what your favorite classic wrestling memories are because that's the name of the show. So with all that said, we will see you folks in 2018. May your memories always be classic, and we will talk again to you folks very soon. Classic Wrestling Memories is part of the A1-Wrestling.com podcast family and can be found on iTunes, Stitcher, and at ClassicWrestlingMemories.com and at A1-Wrestling.com. The views expressed by the hosts and guests are purely their own and do not reflect the views of A1-Wrestling.com, any of its affiliates, or sponsors. Some media used in ClassicWrestlingMemories.com is the copyright of its respective owners, all rights reserved.